Hello and welcome to Q&A Quest episode 170. I'm your host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always... Sky Pirate Enthusiast, Family Master, David McBurney. And your man in Japan, Michael Baker, Gaijin Minogatari. We are here after a short break. Yes, very short. So short you probably didn't even notice because I just posted last episode on... Uh, when did I post it? I don't know, the weekend or something. Monday? Since July 13th. 13th. Yeah, Monday. There you go. But yeah, so... We're okay. back. Hopefully not dead. Unless there's something Wheels hasn't told me. No, and I am not the undead. Don't, don't worry. I'm more worried now. <laughs> um, the fact that you had to say that is kind of worrisome. It's fine. It's fine. This is, this is all fine. We're ready. We're ready for this. Maybe. Possibly. So, uh, what you guys been up to? What you played? Well, I I finally sort of finished Summer and Mara. At Yay. least I'm. I, at least I was into what was supposed to be a kind of a post game fun and stuff. Except then um, I had to quit, um, stop the game for a system update, and now it won't load my save file properly. I'm not quite sure what's happened. Um, but I also just recently got a game soft update for that game, so maybe it'll play now. I'm just going to try it later and see. Other than that, I've just been tooling around with Dandy Dungeon and tweeting about games I have played in previous years um, for JRPG July. Ah, uh, the good times. Nice. Yep. Well, hopefully that uh, patch actually fixed something. Again, yeah. Uh, so. Sounds fairly normal. Wheels, you. Uh, I have been playing for JRPG July. I had planned on playing Persona, but I'm still have not yet finished Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'll fight you. Because I just have not found the time to sit in front of the PS4. Uh, but I'm also for JRPG Live playing Dragon Quest XI, which is awesome. Uh, and very good. And I just got a boat, so... Oh, yeah. All things are better with boats. Yes. Please, it's like it's worse. All things video game related are better with boats. Hmm. Is I've yet to see a I have yet to see a video game that actually incorporated seasickness as a mechanic. Once sure or twice as a gag in a scene, but no. I'm sure, there's got to be at least one, but no. I mean, I remember a couple of Tales games that had like a one-off joke where one character got massively seasick on the first time on a boat, but no. Yeah, yeah. But that's about it. So. Yeah. Wheels is not very far. Wheels will never finish. Sure, I will. I have to. I have to make you consider it a challenge. It's my only hope. <laughs> do it. Got to do better, Wheels. Need my emperor do it gif right now. <laughs> Too bad. Uh, uh, 
I've also been, for some reason, probably because I have a DC Universe subscription, mm -hmm. I've been watching lots of random DC stuff. That's not a video game. Yeah, but there's stuff I want to talk about. Is this where I point out the DC shows having their own subscription service is maybe the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life? It's pretty dumb, yes. Um, I mostly just subscribed because they made a live-action Teen Titans show. Now just called Titans, so you yeah. won't know it's about teenagers. Yes, which is... It's, it's weird, but good. Um, I hear they're slowly migrating some of those shows over to HBO Max. Yes, uh, sort of. Doom Patrol airs on both, and then the new show Stargirl, I think, is also on... Um, Why would you make CW? this so complicated? I, I don't know. But but I actually started watching Stargirl, which um, turned out to be, like, super comic booky and really fun. Like, I just turned on, like, the first ten minutes just to see, you know, what exactly it was, because I really had no idea who the hell Stargirl is. Uh, but it begins with the entire Justice Society of America being murdered by... a. Mostly a bunch of villains I've never heard of, and Solomon Grundy. Can't believe they would kill the Justice Society of America. <laughs> but Solomon Grundy, man, he was Solomon born on a Grundy. Monday. Yes, Sunday. <laughs> uh, but it's it's really really good. So it, it's basically it basically is about a bunch of teenagers taking up the mantle of all those murdered murdered superheroes. Um, but it's it's been just like pretty fun. Has pretty good production values. And recruit a team of teenagers with attitude. Basically, yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's pretty good. I've been impressed. Um, and I just finished the second season of Titans, which it was a lot better than the first season. That's what you'd hope. Yeah, well, it's weird. So the f the first season has this whole it's basically centered around uh, Raven's father, Trigon the demon, and do they just immediately jump into a Judas contract storyline? No, although Deathstroke is in season the main villain of season two. So they took a season and then did it. <laughs> no, there's no... There hasn't been any terror yet, although they did... Um, they brought in uh, Rose, Deathstroke's daughter, who... I just never trust any of these adaptations to not just jump to all of them named storylines, regardless no. of how much build-up they're supposed to have. No, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm just shaking my head thinking... I know even less about the DC universe than the Marvel universe. <laughs> and most of my knowledge about DC stuff comes from the Batman animated series. That's healthy. Yeah, well, and related animated series from the 90s, not the aughts or the teens, because I stopped watching in 2001. Well, yeah, so. that, that's the thing. Neither do I. I pick, pick up most of my knowledge from TV shows. Like, I started reading the Flash comics after watching the live-action CW show. Mm -hmm. but it's like, Meanwhile, I'm a stupid nerd, and I just look and, up things about them, like, but don't actually read and, them because they're expensive and stupid. And just from online forums, the most I can tell is that DC reboots everything so often they that do, it's kind of pointless. They do, but they always do it in a really fun way. Except fun when it's being, really bad. Fun being <laughs> yes. causing enough of a 
fandom uproar for me to actually notice it. Well, one of the cool ones, which I, I just picked up a trade paperback for and read, is it's called Flashpoint. Oh, yeah, that was one of the few times where they just rewrote everything. Yes. They literally broke the universe, didn't yes. they? Yes, well, the whole the whole conceit is uh, Flash wakes up and everything is effed. Like, um, the Atlanteans and the, the uh, what were they called? Wonder Woman's people. Amazons. Uh, the, Amazon, the Amazons are at war and basically destroying the world. Um, Bruce Wayne died instead of his parents, so his father's Batman. And, and in the end, we all learn a cosmic dead. lesson about why the Flash isn't allowed to have a mom. Yes, and like his mother... <laughs> well... <that's, laughs> I know, I'm, I'm making a joke. Yeah, I'm making a yeah. joke. Uh, like, and, yeah. Bruce Wayne's mom is the, the Joker, I think. Yes. Bruce Wayne's just... mom is the Joker. Bruce Wayne's dad is like Batman, but a murderer. Yeah, Superman's pod landed and like blew up a city block, and so he was captured by the government. I'd have assumed he had died. Superman, I guess. No. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, so basically, he finds out that he he assumes that uh, the Reverse Flash messed up the timeline, and then finds out that no, no, actually, he did. Oops. Oops. And then when he goes back and stops himself, he uh, everything is not quite kind the same. of fixes it. Kind of <laughs> fixes it, yes. So yes, it, it's it's a giant excuse for them to rewrite the the timeline to do different things. But at least in this case, it was really cool. I'm trying to remember if Reverse Flash and Professor Zoom are the same character or not. They are. Okay. Which is confusing. Let's not, let's not even try to figure out how, yes. because I tried going down that rabbit hole once, and I'm like, no. No, no is... I, I don't even mean in that sense. I mean, are they two names for the same character, or are they considered separate characters? Uh, the two names for the same character, as I found out, which was confusing because in the, the CW show, there is a character named Zoom. Who is not role. Professor Zoom. Yes, and the reverse flash is never called Professor Zoom. It's it's a really odd choice to have two names that sound like different characters, but aren't. DC has a mess of continuity, as I always discover, and has as a and it has like a lot more silly things than the Marvel universe. Like I remembered, I watched a. There's a lot more Golden Age DC continuity to mine, so there's a lot more stupid. Nonsense. Yeah, so I, I watched this like Lego DC movie with starting to flash where yeah. he, he goes back in time using like a treadmill, which, that I, makes sense. which I always assumed was some silly joke. Nope, that's, that's a real thing. Listen, you time <laughs> so totally hard, you fast thing. so hard that time goes backwards. No, it's a cosmic treadmill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds overage. Yeah. Anyway, I should probably remind you guys, I've got 55 minutes before I need to leave. Yeah, we'll go yes. back to this. Yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, please, Mark. please, wait till after I have to go back to work and then bring out all the comic book talk that I don't care about. Yes. That'll right. be fine. We'll talk about what a Flash RPG would look like once we're done. <laughs> right, so I will say... Well, it would look really cheap on the graphic side, but the wrong Flash. Sorry. Mm. Um, okay, let's hit some yeah, questions, particularly the ones guys and want to talk about. Watch Stargirl. That's that's the the whole thesis there. 
So let's let's hit some. Hello. Uh oh. Okay. Did he cut out again? Yeah, it looks like it. Or at least the sound did. Oh, my fault. Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. Okay. It's all your fault. Um, let's hit the questions Gaijin would want to actually discuss, and then we can circle back around to some of the ones that would be probably less interesting. Yes. And then maybe I can talk about how ridiculous uh, the new adventures of Lois and Clark is later. No, this is going to get weird, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> thank you for reminding me that show even existed. Yeah. Okay. In any case, uh, so we've got a few questions in the Discord that have popped up since the last time that we recorded. Uh, And some of them are on things that we could probably talk about for hours, so we're probably going to have to set some time, like a time limit on at least one of these. Uh, But let's uh, let's get this one that... uh, Gaijin was most excited to talk about. Yes. <laughs> or at least had the most fun responding to Matt's on Discord about. Yeah, yeah. Because seriously, works. he knows exactly how loaded a question that is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the question was, of course, what do you all think of the PS2 Romancing Saga minstrel song? A friend of mine enjoyed Romancing Saga 2 far more than I, and is wondering how it compares. So this is going to be fun because mm. Romancing Saga 2 was created specifically to address issues with the original game of the series on Super Famicom. And then Minstrel Song was created to completely redesign that first game and make it better. Yeah, they're both addressing similar complaints in very different ways. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the original Romancing Saga was the... Probably the earliest attempt at something open world on hardware that could not support it at all. And also Um, on like a really, really tight memory budget. (laughs) Yeah, they were not allowed to use the upgraded Famicom, Super Famicom cartridges, so they were stuck with the original generation of those things, which is why. Eight megabytes, maybe? Yeah, it's like, so they don't. I think they ended up cutting between 10 and 20% of the actual game's content that was planned. And the graphics were not that good to begin with. Um, so they cut out a lot of story material, including three of the Fate Stones. Um, Oops. Three of, the ten, three of the 10 major MacGuffins that the entire game's plot is built around were not present in the original game. Whoops. Uh, but part of what made this thing really fun was that, um, like I said, it's open world or more open world than you would ever expect from a JRPG. And you can go pretty much anywhere you want. Um, I mean, not not immediately. You have to actually travel through areas to get there. And at the same time, um, it's honestly a little more world than a lot of Western open world games because... um, Actually, I was just reading a webcomic recently that was making fun of Fable 2. And about, yeah, which is open season, yes. Um, But it was largely making fun of the fact that you could completely ignore the main story and just go do whatever you want for 20 hours and then come back to the main quest giver and be able to pick up right there. Mm -hmm. That's not something that Romancing Saga ever allows you to do. Infamously so, at least in the PS2 version. I can't remember how much the Jewel Beast exists on Super Famicom. (laughs) 
Uh, yes, the Jewel Beast was my first thought, too, because, um, so yeah, on the far west side of the map, which is, like, completely opposite side of the world from where most of the cast starts, um, with the exception of the eighth character, um, there are several towns which might become toad food before you ever get to them. Um, because the, the Jewel Leader is one bad buffo. Um, so, yeah, um... So the game, the way the game is designed, it's that it it has it keeps a I guess sort of a counter of battles, and it uses that to help determine what point in the global story you are in. And certain quests only exist or are only open for certain segments of that global story. And so if you take too long in one area, then events in another area may close out. They might be minor events. They may be, oops, nobody survived events. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the game, I mean, the game has eight protagonists with seven major different plots. Barbara doesn't really have a plot. She just does stuff. Um, but they all, that ends they up all being a saga tradition. <laughs> yeah. And so imagine trying to do all that on a Super Famicom game. Ugh. Exactly. There's a reason why this is considered the nadir of the... Uh, it's right up there with Unlimited Saga for what in the world are they thinking. It's probably more well-received than than Unlimited, but it was still like, uh, you I mean, probably shouldn't have tried this. Yeah, the, the user interface wasn't nearly as bizarre as Unlimited Saga, but it was still very much a hyper-experimental game in many ways. Um, it... It also suffered for some other issues, like, um, um, I mean, like infamously, the Final Fantasy Legend games that came before it did not allow you to target your own party members because of what happened with Final Fantasy II. Um, but Romancing Saga kind of forgot to allow you to target characters with healing spells, <sighs> which caused issues. Um, it had a formation system, but the formation system wasn't really set in i mean you could just it was more like a line placement in other rpgs and it could get completely thrown out of whack if something approached you from the wrong angle and that often happened because um of the way the the uh, on map enemy ai was set to locate you where um yeah it didn't have a range you walked on the map and you'd be walking around for a little bit and maybe then like three five minutes you yeah, within three to five minutes, every single enemy on that map would know exactly where you were and would be converging on your location. Little rude, little mean. Yeah. Um, probably not a great idea. Yep, so as, I mean, you can probably tell um, Romancing Saga 2 was created, oh, well, part, part of its design philosophy was to correct a lot of the issues. So instead you see... Um, more regional-based material, um, less of a strict timeline for things besides the Douglas Civil War, um, more an ob more obvious series of quest of like quest lines and series of events, and a generational aspect that helped keep the global stuff, but without accidentally letting or without letting you accidentally lock yourself out of material mm. as easily. And they also fixed all of the issues with enemies locating you on a map. 
<laughs> Thank goodness. Um, um, so, and then we come to the PlayStation 2 era, which I, I will admit, um, it's like back in, uh, let's say, towards winter 2004 or so, I was walking through Yodabashi Camera, saw the game preview videos um, going on, and I was like, okay, for some reason, this this video, this game seems familiar. I don't know why. I don't know why. And then, literally, a light bulb shows up <laughs> over a character's head, and metaphorically, on my own, I'm like, "Oh!" Um, and so, a couple months later, I was buying a PlayStation Two and this game on the same time at the same time. So, yeah, that was fun. Um, so, yeah. This game still keeps the interesting global advancement system and has a completely different, far more workable battle system. And about eight more characters to play with, um, secondary characters. I think they only cut one character from the original. So, yeah. And it's... it's uh, uh, in many ways, it's a far more complicated game than Romancing Saga 2, and just kind of fun. Um, so if you liked Romancing Saga 2, you will probably like this one. Um, it's the game that introduced battle points um, for um, to help determine how or what tricks you can use at any given time in battle. Mm-hmm. So um, if you've played Saga Scarlet Grace, think of it like that system except for individuals, not for party. And, um, yeah. Okay. Any thoughts, you guys? Because I've just been talking, talking, talking. Uh, I mean, I've played a fair bit of it. I think it's a really good saga game. I think it's probably the last one that feels like it was built to the same spec as most RPGs for the platform. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's it's a very well-considered game. If you like saga games, it's a very, very good saga game. If you don't, well, it's it's probably incapable of converting you because it's full-on in being a saga game. Yeah. Oh, yes. I really I mean, like the look note, of the remake, too. Oh, yeah. You know, there's only been one original saga game released since then. Yeah. Uh, so, Scarlet Grace. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the two DS sagas were awesome, but they were also remixed. So... Three might as well be an original game, but yeah. Yeah. Well, that and the Saga game, the the two DS games did borrow the entire map ability system from Romancing Saga. Yeah. From the the PS2 game. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, speaking of graphics, yeah, Romancing Saga Minstrel Song is a very pretty game. Um, you're going to have to learn to ignore the interesting. Um, translation of large-headed game sprites into 3D. <laughs> because we had a the, lot of issues trying to work out how that should look and eventually sort of gave up on the idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, as long as... I mean, it really depends on what your tolerance for, like, fan, fantastical um, fantasism instead of realism and game, character design. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I love it. I think it looks like how I always imagined, like, tearing a 16-bit game into 3D might look like. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. It's it's also got some really awesome music. Yeah. Yeah, oh, definitely. And, and a pretty divisive soundtrack, too, because some of my favorite tracks on it are the ones that the 
a lot of the game music community absolutely detests. So it's weird. Yeah. But, yeah. This this is a game I I I have not completed to my satisfaction, but I do like a lot. And there was a period where I wanted to sort of take some video of the game and try to sort of explain its appeal. But I couldn't get it to I couldn't get the video to not like stutter horribly. The game didn't cooperate, so that's an idea that remains on the back burner. Maybe one year that'll happen. <laughs> it's an what I'm saying is it gets my highest recommendation as well. <laughs> I wish it would get ported to something. Maybe a switch. Hmm. Where it would fit quite well. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, I guess maybe also you're you're more the expert here. So, Gaijin, what character would you recommend given their eight to choose from? Um, well, depends on what you, um, how close you want it, this character to be an actual main character protagonist type. I would say either <laughs> Albert or Claudia. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, those two, um, Albert's storyline is the most central to the game because it's most closely connected to the final level and the boss. Um, but Claudia's got a really good um, plot going on. Um, Asha, um, Aisha is just adorable, and she's but she's kind of connected with Jamil, I guess. Jamil is kind of Jamil is basically Aladdin from, from the Disney movie in many ways. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hawk, go with Hawk if you like pirates. Um, let's see. And who else? Aisha and Jamil. I didn't remember. Um, Gray. Gray is good for after you've gotten used to a lot of the, the um, synthesis and upgrade systems because those are really central to his quest. Um, Actually, there was a character, very similar type character in Unlimited Saga uh, with a similar quest. Let me think what else. Hmm. And Barbara, Barbara is a blank slate. Um, I said that they took out, um, they took out maybe one character, um, one supporting character total from the original game, and when they remade it, it was one of her supporting characters. She has almost no story to herself. <laughs> And that's the loot of the game. Oh, I mean, much more intentional than loot was. Um, I mean, she's <laughs> loot just got like, everything uh, cut. Oh no, she didn't have much to begin with. That's what I mean. Like loot had everything cut, whereas Barbara was just like, no, nah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Barbara's also the only one who really starts on the far western edge of the map, where, like I said, um, everyone else usually finds those towns to be toad food by the time they get to them. So. But on the other hand, she has a really awesome dance number at the beginning of her scenario. Definitely a good second player, to, second character to play as. Yeah, I know, which is why I played her first. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all in all, it is. I mean, if you liked *Romancing Saga*, which I can tell you a lot of people on our boards didn't, um, then you will definitely like this game, most likely. It's it's quite a bit different at times and quite a bit the same at other times. Many, if not most, of the world's most more interesting games happen to also be the most divisive. Yes, true. But I mean, yeah, some some of the bigger 
complaints I've heard from about Romancing Saga 2 came from some of the old groanyards in our general chat, who um, last I saw were complaining about most of the Mario and Luigi series. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But, oh. Um, but yeah, one of the bigger complaints I can put down to the fact that they played the game 25 years too late. Got to put yourself in the right mind space. Yeah, because if you're if you're playing this in, in um, when your most of your experiences with the Super Famicom or Super Nintendo, then it's a pretty interesting and crazy game. And if but if you're thinking more of the current game generation mindset, you're mostly thinking, why did I'm like why doesn't dialogue change between centuries in these towns? <laughs> Things like that. Which I'm sure it would do if they ever remade Romancing Saga 2 in the same way. I really hope they do sometime. Because that would be really awesome to actually be able to update the regions by century. If they did. Yeah. Okay. Before we run you out of time, I figured we would uh, hit another question that you and I both have very strong ideas on. Yes. Okay. I, I, I think I've talked enough about Romancing Saga Minstrel Song yeah. for now. So yay. Okay. This is another one from PlatyM3. We, we will get to the other questions, but we want to hit the ones that Gaijin has some stuff about. Uh, mm-hmm. Are there many good RPGs set in pivotal or memorable points of United States American history? I mean, obviously there are plenty of medieval ones set in Europe, as well as tons set in historical China and Japan. Any North American setting? <laughs> so, you and I both know the big crazy one we're going to bring up at the end, so shall we bring up some minor ones first? Yeah, uh, the later Shadow Heart, the last Shadow Hearts game took place in America, and that's weird. Uh, well, person, I was thinking Choco Vader. Oh, Choco Vader! You mentioned Which this is before. Choco yeah. Vader. Choco Vader. Yes, um, it was Vader. a Game Boy Advance game from Namco. It was part of a multimedia um, thing um, connected with an arcade game and a collectible card game. Um, with chocolates attached, huh. hence the name Chocovader, um, and you could get passwords from the arcade game or the collectible cards to use in the Game Boy Advance game to get new aliens, um, to get special versions. But um, it was, uh, I mean, it was kind of a monster collection game with every single alien sighting of the 20th century involved. Huh. A lot of those um, in America. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, no, I mean, one of the characters who shows up in America was actually an Italian sighting, the figure. Um, but yeah, it goes full bore on any conspiracy theory you can think of. It included out of place artifacts all over the place, um, and among the the uh, limited areas that you could visit, I mean, limited in size, there was New York City, which was one neighborhood in the Statue of Liberty that you could go to. Just like real life. Yes, just like in real life. And then a uh, maglev train across America, which obviously doesn't actually exist. Um, I wish, though. We wish, though. <laughs> and um, just for fun, there were, there were um, UFOs abducting people off the train in transit for that part of the story. And the U.S. section of the game ended with Las Vegas and Area 51. You had to infiltrate Area 51. Nice. Yeah. What we've all dreamed of. Yeah. But yeah, one uh, of the major sections of the game was America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is <laughs> straddling the boundaries of historically based in any meaningful sense. 
But the fifth Soccer Wars game took place in New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, It has a very confused idea of New York history and humanity in general. Uh, But I think my personal favorite thing about it is that, well, one, it takes place in 1928, and and somehow there is never any (laughs) Great Depression at any point. Uh, but the other thing that really amuses me is that they set the game in America, in New York, but the villain is still essentially, I want to say it's Nobunaga. <laughs> yep, uh, yep, Nobunaga is the villain somehow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, America in only the loosest possible sense, in the sense of there's cowboys now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, but, many, very similar to how um, tin, the book Tintin in America was America, quote unquote. Yeah. It was mostly it was mostly Chicago and Arizona, which were about two hours apart, apparently. Just like real life. Yeah. But yeah. So those are those are like like that's that's kind of the thing is especially in terms of like the, all of these I can think of are Japanese and therefore they're all on some level taking the piss. Yes. Uh, and so you, you run into a lot of these, and of course, we're building up to the the godfather of this concept. Well, let, let, let me mention a few other random ones. For, so it says America, America. What um, which of the Yokai Watch games was it number three, three that was set in America? Yeah, three. Specifically in the, set in the like Japanese barbecue. Version. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it had a. I mean, there was Usapion, and there was a Yokai that was basically corn on the cob. No, I'm saying I think they localized the name the name of the country at some point. It's something like that. It was referred to as barbecue at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Muller um, and Cully with the Y files or whatever yeah. their characters' names were in English. Just go for yeah. it. Yeah, can't but, believe uh, Wheels well, isn't jumping in here. And see, oh, what else I'm thinking of? Um, of course, I mean talking. But how it's almost always referenced to cowboys. Um, live alive. Oh yeah, it does have the cowboy. And a cowboy section. section. So that's technically America. And um, what else? Um, I think somebody on the for uh, on the Discord said wild arms, but that's specifically a, another planet with very strong, very very strong Lovecraft connections. Strangely. Yeah, like Wild Arms cribs like the occasional Western motif, but it's never ever been anything like an explicitly set in America game. Yeah. Um, uh, um, um, did, um, before uh, we get to did Nostalgia oh, and of course on DS Codename Steam. No. Oh, Codename Steam, Steam. Yes, Nostalgia with a fantasy world. Yeah. Nostalgia was like a version of the real world, though. Yeah. It was like steampunky, but I don't think it ever even went to like a meaningful America. So yeah. Yeah. that's what I thought. Never, never actually got through that one. Um, let's see what else is there. Um, I mean, depends on how far you want to take Pokemon Black White. Yeah, that's that's fake America. And and Sun Moon, for that matter, which are oh, a lot yeah, closer yeah. to Hawaii than Unova was to New York. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, 
those are the ones I can think of. If we're thinking in terms of not strictly RPGs, there's the one stab that Koei took at transposing the romance of the Three Kingdoms formula into America with Liberty or Death, mm-hmm. which is um, romance Three Kingdoms, but it's the American Civil War, not a Civil War, Revolutionary War. Yeah. There... There have been a couple survival horror games set in America. Hell, Michigan. Um, uh, yeah, Michigan Report from Hell is incredible. That that one's not really a survival horror game, but yeah, like most survival horror games, I feel like end up set in America, even the ones made in Japan. Most of the Resident Evil games? Uh, basically all of them. The Silent yeah. Hill games all take place in America. Uh, Clock Tower, I think, mostly took place in Europe, but I think at least one of them took place in America. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, with America, you don't have a lot of really well-known historical periods to play with. It's either modern day or cowboys, for as yeah. far as the Japanese audience is concerned. And anything else is not really well-known, mm. even to Americans sometimes. You I can mean, maybe get away with like a 20s gangster setting as well. Yeah. But um, I have seen that at some point. Uh, I mean... I remember at one point dreaming up a basically Shin Megami Tensei built around the Mayan apocalypse. Yeah, I remember you talking about that one. Yeah, 2012, Mexico City. That would have been really fun, but that's not. And that's technically America as the continent, not the country. Yeah, North America. North America. (laughs) Yeah, the. I I will say once again, Koei, go back to using. The Revolutionary War is Romance of the Three Kingdoms stand-in, but make a bad Muso game. Mm-hmm. I demand this. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, let's see what else. Um, uh, okay, so the one game that we both know we're going to talk about. So, shall I say the name? Tengai Machio 4, The Fourth Apocalypse. I think it was just Tengai Makio for The Apocalypse, wasn't it? It's like The Apocalypse 4. There's a 4 in there. It's like Dion something rather. It's a weird one to translate. But hey, it's a Red Company game, and those are weird. Um, I and still remember... Tengai Makio game, Jim- which are also weird. Yeah. You remember Jibbery Jimison's review of the game? Uh, I think I've definitely read it at some point, but it's been an age. Yeah, so. yeah. He, he, gave it a, he gave it 5 out of 5 for story while explaining in the text that, yeah, I'm not giving it a five for five because the story made sense. <laughs> it was just entertaining the whole way through. It was insane. So so background here for Tengai Makyo. Um, the first game in the series, the uh, framing device for the game was that it was supposed to be a story told by this British folklorist whose name was an, was an acronym for the entire Red Company development staff. Um, and he had, he had um, reconstructed this great Japanese epic out of bits and pieces that he had been able to get from travelers to the Far East um, to try and describe this fantastical country that had just reopened itself to the world. And the results are this bizarre, I mean, intentionally bizarre pastiche of everything randomly Japanese um, um, laid over... A, an interesting interpretation of an 18th century ninja novel. It's a very uh, yeah. unique franchise. Yes. <laughs> so, so taking all of that into consideration and how 
basically it put all of Japanese history and culture and geography into a blender and hit frappe. And now imagine what they would do to America in the fourth game. Oh, man. If you haven't ever seen this, Hardcore Gaming 101 has an article about it that has a world map of the game. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. Uh, So please go look that up if you're listening to this, because it it also at the bottom just has the words how Japan sees America, which is (laughs) incredible. Yeah. Um, I mean, this was the game that had, like, the king of Lake Tahoe, and there was, like, a one of the villains was this operatic singer who was for basically feeding cowboys fast food to make them fat so she could harvest them somehow. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I put the map back in our chat so that everyone can refresh themselves on this uh, beauty. Uh Bet you didn't know that uh, Chicago is a giant tower and that Canada doesn't <laughs> yeah. exist. Yeah. Or, yeah, or Montana is basically, or Seattle is in Montana and Alaska is yeah, in Montana. Yeah. And Alaska uh, Island. Yeah. And didn't they nuke Houston at one point to prevent uh, the space program or something like that? I'm trying There's to remember. There's something weird that. going on with a lot of this. So. It's been. Like, I've yeah. never fully understood what's going on in it because it is an untranslated Saturn and PSP exclusive. Yes, Saturn and PSP. Yeah. I see the whole I really should try to play the PSP as... version sometime, but it is just really, really. Why is Alcatraz as big as a city? Uh, you know. And Mount, uh, why not? Mount Rushmore uh, is mainly, enormous. <laughs> mainly for the necessities of putting it into a game. <laughs> it's a beautiful, like, you can see from just looking at this map that it was made by people who were aware that their perception, who were making the most jokes they could about how their own unawareness of how America works was much funnier than doing anything accurate. Well, that's the entire premise of yeah. the series. I mean, they, and they so this is the this is essentially the, the reversal they, of the wait, initial premise. Okay, yeah, they even made a spinoff of the second game that sent a Kabuki actor to London to rescue all the cute girls of Japan. Yeah, Wheels has a copy of that lying around. I'm very jealous. Really? Wow. Okay, cool. He found it in a retro game shop at some point. I remember being very upset. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's like, like it's like only the it's like one of two or three examples I know of of London bridges falling down being used as a boss battle music. Why the fuck? Yeah. Is that, why the, is these, Indianapolis in Maine on this map? Don't think about it. Okay. So what I want to okay. say is that the Tenkai Machio games are actually kind of huge in Japan. Like, especially yeah, they 2. Got this, they got this weird cult following. Like, 2 was the best-selling PC Engine game, which the PC Engine was not enormous, but it had a very hardcore devoted audience. So yeah, it's, They've also had these games re- made and ported all over the place. I actually played Tengai Maku Jiraiya, the first game, on cell phone. Yeah, oh man. I feel like the weirdest version of Tengai Makio 1. There is an Xbox 360 exclusive remake of Tengai Makio 1 that did not come out in English. Yeah, um, it looks like it should be pronounced Ziria, but it's actually Jiraiya. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah, and if anyone in the audience is thinking that name sounds familiar, it's because... Tengai Makio, like I said, was largely based off of an 18th century ninja novel. So was Naruto. Same novel. 
Huh? Yeah, yeah. The Which story is why Jiraiya, yeah, Jiraiya, Tsunade, and Orochimaru are all characters in Tangai Makyo and Naruto. And a ton of other stuff that we don't get. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And Persona, for that matter. Persona 4. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jiraiya the, uh, is one of the... The, be the best friend's Yoshi? ninja Persona was Jiraiya. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it, it just happens a lot. It shows up a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. Just one of those, oh, like, shared cultural the... Japanese heritage things that people in English don't really have a lot of context for. Uh, along with the entire slug toad snake thing yeah which shows up yeah. in the weirdest places like um romancing saga 3 where any spell or any attack that had a snake in the animation would instantly kill frogs <laughs> i mean not even damage it would just kill it which uh makes a certain kind of sense in japan and none in none in english yeah uh, yeah so tengai makio the apocalypse 4 is just crazy uh, I, I looked it up. Apparently, the full Japanese name was Tengai Makio Daion no Mokushiroku. So, yeah, like the fourth apocalypse or something. Yeah, it is the fourth apocalypse. It, it gets confusing because we have Tengai Makio 3 Namida. And I'm not sure if that one came out before or after this one. It came out long after. So, like, there's an infamous problem with, like, Namida's development that, like, it was planned before 4, but then, like, that version got cancelled and finally revived on PS2, like, ten years later. Yeah. And so, it, like... Basically, anything with involving Red Company is going to have a very interesting hi um, development, development history. history. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's kind of what happened here. This, this ended up being a Saturn game, which is why we definitely didn't get it the first time, and PSP game, uh, probably something-something Sony. Uh... Either that, or did they just decide it was too weird to try and sell? <laughs> yeah, there were a few companies that have had interest in trying to localize uh, Tengai Makio games in the past. Uh, the 360 remake of one was, like, apparently Gaijin Works tried to get hold of that, and Microsoft wasn't having it. Uh, mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if someone maybe t tried opening negotiations on the PSP version of Apocalypse, but yeah. Nothing ever came of it. There's cowboys, there's uh, a lot of uh, Native American imagery that might be mildly offensive. Uh, <laughs> viewer be warned, but yeah. It's, it's kind of a case where it's the entire game itself is so beyond bizarre that it's like anything that you could probably take offense at it's like where do you start yeah, you stop? yeah and it's so divorced from the actual context that would make it offensive and most of the time that it's like okay sure i forgot there's a jamaican bobsledder in this just cool runnings remember cool runnings yes back. <laughs> i i do remember that billy the kid had uh, was somehow crossed over with bill clinton yeah, you know, as you do. Yeah, because um, his... Actually, it was just the names of his brothers in the game um, were named after Bill Clinton's brothers. Things like that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a very... I don't think we can really describe it in a way that does justice to how odd it is, but it's certainly worth looking up at the very least, even if you don't play it. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, uh, if you actually want to play it, the PSP version will be far easier to track down and get running. So yeah, 
I don't know as to the quality of that port, but um, hmm. I know. I mean, I, I know, like the uh, the, the Tengai Makio DS port is was better received than the PSP port, but there isn't an alternative for number four. Yeah, like this is a very like. Among a franchise that is built around a cult following, this has a sub-cult following. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see if I oh, can yeah. find Yeah, Jimmy Sin's uh, um, review is titled, Prepare Ship for Ludicrous Speed. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Simply describing the story of Tengai Makio 4 does not do it justice. Instead, a handy chart of but a few things the player will experience in this game is necessary. Challenging the King of Lake Tahoe to his Challenge the Trap in USA. Seeing Tombstone be vaporized thanks to orbital attack directed from Houston. There we go. Enlisting Romero's aid to stop Mexican zombies. Entering Devo, the giant perpetual motion bird in St. Paul. Being mm -hmm. labeled a terrorist by the TV network of Atlanta, Georgia. Having a motorcycle riding werewolf gang that supports an a pop idol in Montana. Escaping from Alcatraz, which is actually probably pretty par for the course here. Avenging General Custer's death aboard the Alamo. Note the preposition here, because if I remember right, the Alamo is a mobile... Yeah, it's like a moving castle thing. thing. Yeah, it's, it's like on tracks. Yeah. And fighting Mecca Capone on the elevator of the Sears Tower. Yeah. Uh... So, you know, that's that's kind of what you're in for. Uh, looking at Hardcore Gaming 101's uh, overview of the game, they seem to think quite highly of the PSP port as like a particular as a very what better than most PS1 or Saturn to PSP ports. So, cool. I really sh really should get a PSP version. sometime, but that's just opening an entirely a huge, huge library. There's probably tons of like cheap PSP games in Japan at this point. Yes, but this will this is not going to be one of those cheap ones. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. It's 2006 and probably uh, low print run to begin with. Is it on PSN? Yeah. You could always play it on Vita Might if so. I should check that out, but I don't think it was on there. Yeah. There were a lot of PSP games that never made it onto the digital store. There's uh, some slight script edits, although they seem to have they seem to have been aware of what parts of the content could have been offensive. Um, but they seem to have gone in the wrong direction about how to fix it. <laughs> The wrong Which, direction or intentionally the wrong direction? No, I think this was the wrong direction. They changed the word Indian to Akamin. So, Which means red citizen. Yeah, which is like, you're, you're trying. I mean, uh, mean, mean is generally the, the kanji used to refer to Indians anyway, like uh, Minzoku. Yeah, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, the, the red person is really the problem here. I mean, uh, yeah, and, and again, that's, that's more of an issue with an American translation in there, because, I mean, Japanese will use hakujin and kokujin for white people and black people anyway. Wouldn't that be kudojin, or is that uh, changed? Kokujin. It, it's kokujin? the onyomi. Mm. Um, yeah, it's the onyomi pronunciation, so haku is white, koku is black. Oh, that's um, And um, what would, what, I guess ko would be red. 
So it could be Komin instead of Akamin. Yeah, but it's, it's using the kanji, which can can be unfortunate, but they were clearly trying, so I'll give them some yeah. points for that. And and again, it's it's mostly an issue that comes from playing it as an American and being very, very sensitive to this matter. Yeah, it's it's... It's something there's a lot less context for in Japan as well. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, so, so less context game. for good and for ill. Yeah, yeah, but in any case, weird game, uh, very unique game, uh, certainly worth seeing at least once. <laughs> yeah. A mad scientist initially working with the army who quickly betrays them. During his fight, he combines himself with a large pink automobile. His voice actor ad-libs much of his dialogue, so it doesn't always match the displayed text. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this game is just a stunning example of everything that can go weird with Red Company. It's also got a lot of really gorgeous art, so if you like 90s-looking anime. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, massively, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's 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 your crown jewel of uh, JRPG set in historical America. <laughs> yes, with with quotes around the quotes around the quotes. Yeah, there's there's quotes around essentially every section of that sentence except for JRPG. <laughs> yeah, because I mean that's the only undeniable thing about it is a Japanese RPG. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, and yeah, those are those are kind of the ones you can get. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of this, Shadow Hearts from the New World is kind of in the same vein. It's not as crazy as Tengai Makio 4, but I feel like there was probably someone on the development team who liked Tengai Makio 4 a great deal. If not, uh, somebody who was a former Red Company person. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if you're in that one's, I think it's in the 20s, all of the Shadow Hearts games are some level of like World War One adjacent, so. Uh, but I think that one's in the twenties, and that one's the only one that's in America, so that's the only one that counts here. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's your weird RPG set in America. Uh, anything from Western studios is typically something that takes place in modern America, so it has less of a uh, historical bent. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's a few other really minor ones I'm thinking no most of those are like <clears throat> not really America like mother, yeah fantasy mother, America or something uh, the Earthbound series oh yeah Eagle Land uh, I think the first one says it's in America even if it's weird yeah. <laughs> it's basically not America yeah so. This weird, like, let's make a game about nostalgia for an Americana that I've only seen in books. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Earthbound and Mother 1. Not Mother 3, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Nothing's coming to mind. Hmm. No, nothing really, no. But yeah, those are those are enough to be getting on with, and hopefully someday we will be blessed with something as beautifully out there as Tenkai Machio, The Fourth Apocalypse. Yeah. 
So we can that, have, we we can dream. We can dream. Yeah. Anyway, I've got about eight more minutes here. So anything else? Let's see. Uh, we can hit this one real quick, uh, since there's a bit of bait for you in it anyway. Mm-hmm. What software, original and or exclusive, would it take for you to bite on Google Stadia, Persona 6, <laughs> FF16, a new Metal Max, or Saga title? Uh, well, I mean... Uh, for, that, that's a silly hypothetical. <laughs> I mean... This is from Crawl, by the way. Yeah, yeah the, the entire point of getting a new system is because I there's something I really want to play that could not be found anywhere else... And Katakawa and Square Enix have not shown any sign that they are willing to go exclusive on something short of a ton of money. Yeah, and, and I don't even think that then, enough money. <laughs> and even then, not for very long. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at, like, just this, like... Google finally announced that they would be making... That they had hired some Western companies to make exclusive Stadia games, which... Uh, gonna repeat a joke I made on Twitter. Pretty good laugh to uh, pretty good laugh to make uh, to announce that you had started development on Stadia exclusive games when the average game dev cycle at this point would be by that point I fully expect the Stadia to have pulled the plug. Mm-hmm. Like th- three four years at the earliest. Yeah, not happening. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is something you needed to start doing three years ago google but uh yeah i i don't for the sake of argument like i would bite on like attempting to play an exclusive persona or final fantasy or any of those on stadia but it's it's a really silly i I know that you posed it as a silly (laughs) question on some level but like it's a really silly question because i don't think anyone at google has made any serious inroads on like getting in real contact with Japanese companies about this. Like square has put FF 15 on it. It's kind of a bad version by all accounts. Uh, like they added, they paid for some exclusive content. It is by far the worst final fantasy 15 content in existence. It, it looks like it's like a race car mini game. What the f- Mm-hmm. It looks like it was literally cooked up in like three weeks as like a, it has to have something new. We don't care what it is. <laughs> let's see. Uh, okay, so they let's see the Rock Band and Until Dawn developers. That's not that interesting to me. Uh, and I think they may have gotten some sort of Namco catalog titles on it. Uh, yeah, I can't find anything. I might have hallucinated that. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think that there's there's any risk of that ever actually happening, but yeah, I'd, I'd play Persona 6 on it if that was literally the only place to play it. <laughs> I would but again, try and it wait be... for a port. I would expect a port, but, yeah. if, but we're working under the assumption that this is an actual for real exclusive that we are all aware of somehow. <laughs> but yeah. Um, that's that's kind of it. Uh, it would be really funny to see a Metal Max game exclusively on Stadia as like a, 
like what just in terms of wanting to read like the entire book of weird negotiations that would have to take place for that to have happened mm-hmm. but that would probably be more interesting than whatever game came out of it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so we are just living in a strange world strange time yeah. and uh Honestly, if something like that actually happened with Stadia, that would not be the strangest thing to happen this year. It'd probably be the least unpleasant strange thing to happen this year. Yeah, pretty much. There's a lot, like, it's it's hard to care too much about what strange things happen in video games right now, so. Yeah. But, I mean, the Stadia, I mean, as far as strange things go, the Stadia actually being successful would probably count as <laughs> strange things this year. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a reason that I haven't heard anyone talk. Like, until Google announced a new thing, I hadn't actually thought about it in months. So Until this question was posed, I didn't realize the Stadia was still in existence. <laughs> I mean, there's reasons for that, but yeah. Yeah. That's the other like problem with this hypothetical. I don't think Stadia ever officially launched in Japan in any meaningful fashion. <laughs> there is also that, so I'm certainly not going to be getting one. Yeah. Like it's technically a software, so like it would be possible to launch it there, but I don't think that Google cares to do the kind of like customer service QA stuff that they would have to do to launch games in Japan, so they won't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. You're more likely to see a CD project get pulled in, but I don't think that they care to either. So there you go. Uh, yeah, I don't. Okay. It's it's a hard question to really answer with good faith <laughs> or a straight face. Yeah, pretty much. Let's see. And what else did we have here? Okay. Some backlog questions. Okay, well, the first one that we had on the list is another one for a very long conversation next week. How about that? Yeah, we'll bring the question back up when you're back. Yep. And um, side quests, no space, or side quests with space, or side quests with hyphen. I don't care. All are acceptable. (laughs) Yep, all are acceptable. Okay, you two just talk about DC Comics now. I have to go. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. And thank you to Matt's friend for giving us a question that took a good 20 minutes to answer. <laughs> okay. Wait, Mike, quick question. Yes. How, how on earth do I get the climbing skill in Romancing Saga? <laughs> I realize it's been like a good 12 years here. Um, you know, I don't actually remember. Okay. Let, let's, let's look at game facts here. What does game facts have to say? See very quick. You really shouldn't be indulging him and in searching game facts for him. Oh no! I just want to. I'm just having fun. Um, now you're just curious. Well, I'm sure I probably wrote it up when I did the very bare bones uh, walkthrough back in 2005. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone wrote a better one than I did, but. Someone had to be, take that first step. Well, I mean, my, the opening paragraph is, this is not intended to be an in-depth or even complete guide or walkthrough for this game. This is a description of some of the quests I've experienced since I started this game. 
I cannot claim to know everything about this game, or even a significant percentage of what's in it. This is just what I do know. Just because there were a lot of people trying to play this um, through import and having no idea what they were doing. <laughs> Back when there wasn't a terribly... Uh, when it wasn't guaranteed that it would come out in English. Okay. Um, for skills... Um, okay, wait a minute. Let's... Okay, wait a minute. Um, oh, no, that's actually skill levels. Never mind. Um, let's see where we go. Da, 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 getting around. Map skills. Um, you can buy them from skill merchants. But I'm not sure where they... Just keep checking around town, see if you can buy it. For, see who you yeah, can buy I, it Yeah, I just found it. I just found it. <laughs> okay, good. Which character are you playing? Um, I don't know because I changed his name. <laughs> which which the, story are you playing? It's the blonde-haired guy. Albert. Yeah. Yep. Okay. The the prince. Yep. Okay. That's the one. Can't believe there'd be a prince named Albert. Yes, I'm quite surprised that they didn't, um, when he escaped the castle, they didn't just shove him in a can and throw him off the cliff and have him float away. Okay. Anyway, see you guys later. See ya. See ya. Okay. Uh, Eric also wanted to jump on briefly, if we can... Um... Sure. Now I can talk about the, the Justice League movie I watched for some reason on HBO Max. <laughs> okay, go ahead while I uh, contemplate how many different bad names the various Professor Zooms have had. Uh, so, it actually was enjoyable. Yeah. Quite fun. With lots of... But I have questions. I have a lot of questions. If, if you were going to do a big Justice League, League movie and like rush to the Justice League movie... Who who would you pick as the villain? Let me just throw this out here for you. Would you Dark pick, side. Would you pick Dark Side, or would you pick the much lesser known? Nobody really gives a fuck about. I don't know why God, they went for Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf. I don't know why they went for Steppenwolf. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't get it. I feel like the plan at one point probably was Dark Side, and they were like, "No, we have to save him for Justice League 2. And that's just stupid. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I was looking up backstory on Steppenwolf. I'm like, oh, they, they have barely used this character in the comics. And also, they basically rewrote him anyway. Yeah. So, how do you feel about Eobard Thawne? Uh, he's an awesome villain. His name is just really bad. Well, you know, 25th century and whatnot. I won't accept the name Eobard as being a name in any century. <laughs> Uh, what I just really enjoy about the character is it's kind of the same kind of Joker thing where, oh, this villain isn't trying to kill the hero. It's like, well, for me to exist, you, the Flash can't die. So he kind of just fucks with him and murders his friends. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what I what the objective is there, other than he's just kind of a dick. But 
he really hates the Flash, but for him to he's exist, also the Flash like, has to exist. So he's also like a descendant, kind of. Probably, like, maybe. Okay, I'm gonna add Eric. So. I mean, the Flash has a lot of silly villains. Really None of them are named Captain Boomerang anymore, though. Oh, it's a shame. Don't accept Captain Boomerang. Oh, yeah, that's one of the things about Flashpoint. Uh, the hero of Central City with no Flash being there is somebody named Citizen Cold. Is that, is that Captain Cold? Yes, it's just Captain Cold with a different name. <laughs> he's a citizen now, a mere yes. citizen. Although he's also sort of a bad guy, so but still. That's just. That's kind of everyone in the Flashpoint universe. Yeah. Like, even the heroes are kind of awful. Yes, and then, like, Shazam, instead of being one kid that turns into it, it's the whole family. It's like 15 kids for some reason? Yes. <laughs> and too, then, many, too many Shazams. And then Wonder Woman murders one of them, which is pretty dark. Yeah. Wonder Woman in that timeline seems kind of mean. It's a dark book. Flashpoint was weird. Yeah, it, it's really good. And the they did an animated movie of it that is like extremely accurate and very good. Is this before or after they essentially eliminated Wally West and then brought him back and then made two of him? I think this is before that. I think this might have been the event that did that. But... It's, it's possible, yeah. Because, like, they brought Barry Allen back, and then this event, like, disappeared him, disappeared Wally, and then, like, they doubled back on that and had, like, Black Wally, and then they were like, oh, but that's not the actual Wally, which yeah. is like, come on, just commit to something. It's, but uh, It's weird. I, for, I forget how, like, long Barry Allen was just gone from the dairy. He was dead for, like, 30 years. Yeah, it was a long time. Because that was a... That was a big one deal of things, when I was, like, getting back into reading some DC comics. Bring back oh, Barry Allen. Barry. It's one of those things that, like, you can tell he was gone for a long time because the only person who would have thought to bring him back is someone who grew up with him and was still upset that he was dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so weird because whenever I go back and watch, like, the... Uh, the Justice League cartoon, I have to remind myself that that's that's Wally West. I mean, a lot of Wally just got absorbed into Barry for modern adaptations because Wally was more well-liked. Yeah, I was going to say, the the Barry Allen in this live-action Justice League movie is kind of like the spastic, talks-a-lot sort of Barry Allen character, or or Wally Wally West sort of character that we got used to. Yeah, because like that was a characterization carried over from when Wally was Kid Flash. Yeah, and like they kind of did some. There's from what I've read about them, I haven't read them, but from what I've read about them, there's some decent stories about him just like still always thinking of himself as sort of like the bad replacement, still just Kid Flash wearing the Flash's clothes. <laughs> uh, yeah, like you know, it's you know. I feel like the inevitable endpoint of that is that if comics books somehow still exist in 30 years, we're going to see like Barry Allen shunted to the sideline again because like, well, well, I grew up with Wally. Yeah. <laughs> it could be. I mean, the same thing with like Green, because Green Lantern did the same. Yeah, I was going to say that, <laughs> that, happened, that happened at like the exact same time. 
Yeah, well, it's... guess what? You'll never guess when Jeff Johns was growing up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> except that one had to undo a lot more than, like, Barry Allen died in... Uh... Barry Allen died and there was no history to pick up. Hal Jordan, like, turned into a, a supervillain and murdered, like, 30 people. Yeah. There's a lot to un undo there. I blame the color yellow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Audience, you think I'm joking? Yeah, Green Lantern is the one that I just—I don't know. It—it it seems like it should be a comic I should really be interested in, and I just, just like, eh, I don't know. Green Lantern is a kind of interesting concept that I don't think they really have the interest to do as much as could be interesting with it as they do. Yeah. I guess uh, that sense got muddled. The point is, I think that there's more that they could do with the concept, and I don't think that they're ever going to be willing to actually do it. I'd like to know more about the Green Lantern from the JSA. I would like to just have more Green Lantern from the Justice League cartoon, because he was cool. Yes. It was weird yes, to me yes, when yes. I looked up in the comics, and I look, when I looked up the comics and found that he'd basically never been the main Green Lantern. The, the cartoon had done it because it's like this is just an entirely white cast. <laughs> I was I was fine with them uh, deciding that maybe maybe we don't need boring Hal Jordan. <laughs> That's the same character that was uh, Steel in like the Reign of Superman, right? I don't think that's the same character. Uh, I'm gonna have to look this up. I'm looking it up right now. Don't worry about it. Stretch, stretch. Tell me about the... There's so many things named Jon Stewart. I need you to understand this. Uh, but uh, uh, on that note, there's also a... I think they've done this more than once, but there's a more recent like uh, Death of Superman and Reign of Superman animated movies that are really good. Yeah, I've heard of that one. I think they cut it down from like five substitute Supermans. Probably, yeah. Uh, I don't remember how many. It was a lot. <laughs> Are any of these on HBO Max, or are they uh, are they still uh, DC Universe? Well, DC Universe rotates those movies in and out. They're not currently on. Well, they I'm sorry, they are currently on DC Universe. They will probably disappear at some point, but uh, I can probably find their way on HBO I can, eventually. I can check and see if they're on HBO Max. I have both at the moment. So like, I, I want to know which I should subscribe to first. Um. HBO's probably got a lot more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> DC Universe seems to be primarily a comic book reading like subscription that also happens to have DC TV shows. Yeah, I would say I would say if you want like the comic aspect of that, then DC Universe is definitely a really good deal. But if that's not something you're into, then it's kind of a bad thing. Is it is, is Adventure Time to Disneyland on HBO Max yet, or is that in the fall? No, I think at least one of them is the on. The BMO one is on there, which I haven't watched yet. I'm shocked. Well, also, I appreciate looking at Wikipedia's claim that essentially Jon Stewart's original uh, Green Lantern conception was, what if Sidney Poitier was a Green Lantern? <laughs> okay. And no, Steel is a separate character. Okay. But I wanted to talk about Paper Mario. Oh yeah, I need to pick that up. Yeah, it's coming out well today, I guess. If you get it in the eShop. So. Yeah, yeah. Just it would have just unlocked on the East Coast. 
But uh, I wanted to talk about like how Nintendo's stranglehold over the IP is stifling the creativity of development teams. I understand that argument, but I also think that kind of all of the new characters designed for Paper Mario aren't great designs. <laughs> aren't? Aren't. I, I don't think they're very good. But like, you mean like for like games like even Thousand Year Door? Thousand Year Door, I, I'm on record as not actually liking Thousand Year Door very much. And maybe that but, colors but they, my opinion on the designs, but I just, yeah. But you, but it is undeniable that they were, that there's more thought put into those characters, and even in the Paper Mario and Luigi series, than the later entries. Like, they definitely put more resources into that. I just, I don't particularly miss them, would be my argument. Also, Wheels, for, your rec- for, for the record, Steel is John Henry Irons. Okay, I... They were both John. I think that's where it got. That's probably. In my brain. I mean, I will not accuse you of like playing in in an object like a piece of tape roll and um, colored pencils is new for the series, but it's also not much thought put in it. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times they would just uh, like. I mean, you go back and look at the Thousand Year Door and Paper Mario designs, and it's Goomba in a hat. So. Uh, it's one of those things. Also, mm-hmm. the the death of Superman and Reign of Superman movies are not on HBO Max. Mm. There's really no reason for those so, to be separate. Although Flashpoint, <laughs> Flashpoint is. Which I is guess I could uh, rent them. Yeah. Yeah, you can probably rent them off Amazon or something. Yeah, they're very good, but the Flashpoint animated one is probably, I'd say, the best I've seen. So where do I go if I want to watch, like, the shows like um, the just or the the third season of that Justice show, New Justice or whatever it's called. Oh, uh, that's on yeah, DC Universe. Hmm. Yeah, that's on DC Universe. Hmm. Along with the old Justice League shows. Yes, yes, they're all there. Uh, well, those are good. And Teen Titans is on there, and. Batman the Animated Series and the uh, Hot Take Here, much better uh, Batman show. Um, uh, why is my brain failing? Uh, Brave and the Bold. Yes, thank you, Batman Brave and the Bold. It's a very different Batman show. Yeah, it's yeah, I know that's not it's not really fair to even compare the two, but that. Was show, the, where is Batman any good? No, no, it was not. <laughs> The the only thing I remember is the Dreadlock Joker without shoes. No, Dreadlock Joker was from The Batman, which is different oh. from Beware the Batman. <laughs> Dreadlock Joker was regrettable. Beware the Batman is the ugly, ugly CG one from like 2012. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, what is it, the The Batman was not horrible. It eventually became pretty decent. Yeah, my son watched that for a bit. It was okay. Beware the Batman, like, was the one where they were told that they weren't allowed to use any real name villains, so you got a lot of Professor Pig going on. Oh, God. You love Professor Pig. Well, it's funny, because I was going to say I love Batman the Brave and the Bold, because it uses a lot of lesser-known characters. Uh, I I would not... Yeah, good lesser-known characters, I should say. Sorry. There are good lesser-known characters, and there's Professor Pig. Yes. 
and Doodlebug. Phosphorus Rex. Humpty Dumpty. Kind of a man. Oh, this list of this list of characters is great because it has Deathstroke, but it lists a bunch of weird weird other names for him. Slade Wilson is just his normal one. I've never heard of where Dane Lislow comes from. And also for some reason it also lists him as Bad Batman. Does anybody know if there's gonna be a Lego Batman two movie? It feels like it's in the works, yes. That should be a slam dunk. Yes. Uh, I was going to say, on Deathstroke, uh, after watching the very good Deathstroke in the Titans show, I got to read about how, hey, there's a Deathstroke in uh, the new adventures of Lois and Clark that has magnetic powers and doesn't wear a mask. What? I'm confused. Uh, Let's see. Lego Batman movie 2 was confirmed to be in development at some point. Hmm. I do love how there's the confusion of there was a Lego Batman game and there's the Lego Batman movie game. Let's see. Yeah, there hasn't been much talk about it since Universal acquired the film rights to the Lego movie franchise. So. Hmm. I'd love to... But, I'd love in... in uh sequel to, to have obviously that Lego Batman and the Lego Batman from like that's played by Troy Baker in the, the straight video movies together. That would be hilarious. That would be that would be a lot. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. But I can dream. I just mean a lot in like a very there's just a lot hap there's just too much going on there. My brain is trying to process it. Hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, as to what I've been playing, just I played a little more cross code. I got to near the end of the game, and I decided I wasn't going to put up with the puzzles anymore, and I watched someone else beat the game. I've heard really good things about cross code, but yeah, I it's, it's it got it's got a lot of energy in the puzzle sense, and even the combat and the gameplay. Did you say a lot energy? Because that's something that draws me in. Mm. <laughs> Well, I mean, it doesn't have any of the misery that Alundra has, but, you know. Oh, I just want... I it just kind of goes there, there, but I not just really. want the misery. I want the sense of foreboding of a guy who's like, yeah, I can only think to make weapons when well, I when well, someone dies, and then well, opening my inventory and being like, oh, no. There's a bit of existential crisis going on, so... That's something, at least. <laughs> it, it's just not near as dark. Mm-hmm. That may be for the best, but there was a certain amount of uh, deep look. misery energy pervading Alundra that... Uh, the Switch version of the game has some performance issues that thankfully they are working on. I don't know if they've done yet, though. Isn't that game made in, like, HTML5? <laughs> yeah, or at least part of it is. Enough for it to affect the actual performance. Yeah, like, that's... Like, why would you make a game with that? Elliot's Quest did that back on the Wii U and the 3DS, and it was not better for it. You basically just had to remake that to make it work on a Switch. Which game is that? What? Uh, Elliot Quest. It's like the only thing powerful enough to could play a game with a female pint five in mind would be PC, and even then, that's a stretch because 
the PC version of Crossbow also had issues. But, like, you had to have a reasonably good enough PC. Otherwise, if your PC was a few years old, you were going to have some performance issues. I just looked up uh, how much of the game was made in <laughs> HTML5, and it was like a developer responding on Steam. All of it. Mm. <laughs> All oh, of it, why? 100% in HTML5 with regular JavaScript. Oh. And in Dude. 2D Canvas, no WebGL. They, they must have not wanted to pay any licensing fees for some actual engine instead. I feel like it probably just started right out as like a... I would assume, based on that, I would assume that it probably started out as a smaller project that ballooned. Because, like, no one who was thinking in long term would think, like, yeah, I'll just, you know... I can understand not wanting JavaScript library dependencies, because... But I am going to have to finish the game at some point, because they do plan on doing DLC at some point in the future. Hmm. Would you recommend it, though? Because I think the console (laughs) and PC release were only, like, six months apart. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. I know that it came out like X number of months ago on PC, but it doesn't feel like it's been a year at the very least. But yeah, I can only imagine that they must have spent half of that time just trying to port as much of it out of HTML5 as possible. Sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine that. No assembly JS, no Unity, no Unreal, etc. Custom made HTML5 engine originally based on Impact JS, but heavily modified. Oh God, what are you guys doing? Don't even use WebGL. Just JavaScript is dead language. Oh, JavaScript is not dead. Sadly, JavaScript we is one of the most widely it. used languages, my dude. It's one of those situations where, like, every human being who has well, to work it with should it, be a dead language, but. Uh, the problem yes. is that everything that could replace it is worse. <laughs> Excuse me, TypeScript is way better than JavaScript, thank you. JavaScript, TypeScript is just JavaScript with types enforced in it. Yes, and that makes it way better. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's a subset of JavaScript. It is not a okay, different... Okay, fine, fine. That's fair. <laughs> and like, yes, that is good. You need to... Like, the problem with programmers is that if you leave them to their own devices, we all make awful things. It's true. And that's why, like, it's really useful when your language says, no, the awful thing you're trying to do just isn't allowed. So I hope they do make a sequel where you're allowed to pick your class, because you're stuck with one specific class of the ship game. There are several upgrade paths, so, so... Well, I also hope if they make a sequel, they don't write it in HTML5. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine anyone doing that a second time. <laughs> well, probably convert it to Unity. Unity or Unreal. I mean, Unreal is essentially royalty-free until you sell X number of copies. So. You can use Unreal to make a sprite-based game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, most sprite-based... Most 2D games nowadays are 3D done flat, so... Yeah, like uh, Shovel Knight was. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's what consoles are good at. Like, they don't have... Modern CPUs don't have hardware that's built to push sprites around and they can do it but it's less efficient than what they're actually good at which is polygons <laughs> but uh I'm gonna get out of here but uh in conclusion I mean I don't have work tomorrow but I can't really I don't really have much else to contribute and you're probably about done anyway we have some questions that we may hit some of but yeah 
Uh, I mean, one I may stick around for a few of those, but yeah. one last okay. thing, Eric. Uh, Back to the DC stuff for a second. If you're look, if you're looking for like the old DC cartoons and want some new stuff, DC Universe has like Star Girl, which I was talking about before, and is really good. Uh, is that like an app that I could download on the PS4? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. It's not an app I can find through my double, smart TV list, I'd though. Have to, I'd have to double check. So I can't watch that in 4K. Yeah, I know it's on my Roku. I don't know about other smart TVs. DC Universe, PS4. No, not DC Universe Online, Google. <laughs> Actually, Bing. I'm sorry. Sorry, Bing. What could be more fake than Bing? But, but my playing back to the thing Mario, um, I think Nintendo, you need to like change a f more than a few policies, and I think Miyamoto needs to go. <laughs> I I kind of doubt he's God. the one in charge at this point. Like people bring it up because like he was one of the ones that was like do less story in Super Mario Galaxy, but I mean he's also like sixty seven at this point. Because <laughs> like see his actual age, I either let him go or just. Stop listening to him. <laughs> I mean, historically, that's generally not been a great uh, strategy, but I think it's just one of those things where it's like, I think he has... Oh, I was somehow exactly run in the head. He is 67 years old. Uh, I think people attribute to him more power than he actually has at this point. But like, the thing is, I think people within the company listen to him. So. I mean, it's the question of how often is he actually coming in he was he is officially a creative fellow at this point which i mean i think it's as much that they want to iconography like this is probably as much a higher up we want to keep mario iconography consistent and always looking this way because they've moved more into trying to license mario as a concept but again i mean I'm also like perfectly happy to never see anything like O Chunks again. So, <laughs> like what? You don't remember O Chunks from Super Paper Mario? Uh, no, I don't. Actually. He's basically a collection of squares with a beard. Yeah, <laughs> I do not remember that. I'll that give you a picture. Funny. He's mostly just sort of like, oh, you're, you're sure a, a dude. I, I just want something more like the, the Axum Rangers or um, a Mr. L again. This is this is what O-Chunks looked like. Yeah, he's terrible. His name is also very bad, which is why he came to mind. Oh, yeah, that and guy. Like, I, like, I don't even care if Paper Mario doesn't go back to RPGs anymore. They can keep reinventing themselves as long as they can keep doing that, and as long as it's done well. But, like, they gotta fix some other things. I mean, I'm just glad that they didn't use Bowser as a villain again, because that's, also... that's what I always liked about <laughs> yeah. the Paper Mario's games, games, was just different villains and different characters. And So, also, the Nintendo's whole, like, taboo on, like, using... Like religious term terminology in its games, like because like they did that for Xenoblade after Xenoblade and for, for X and onwards, but like 
They had no problem with it being in Xenoblade as long as Nintendo of America wasn't a part of the localization. So, mm-hmm. like, and nobody complained once it released. So it's like, what were you worried about? This mm-hmm. policy should get rid of it. For me, it's a case of, like, they didn't actually change the content, so I don't terribly care what they call it. So this, for me, it's considered kind of a null issue. It's like, it's like um, I can notice that you changed it and that you're shy, you're dancing around something, but I can still tell what you're doing, so it doesn't matter. Because, like, I noticed back in my replay through Xenoblade, uh, like, references like Yadabu uh, uh, F. Uh, which is the Demiurge and Gnosis. Yeah, y'all do both. Um, and, uh, and then there's Phallic Mountain. Phallic's a demon's name. Hmm. Which suggests the treachery of the mountain itself. Mm-hmm. But um, stuff like that. And then they went from that to like scrubbing almost all religious references is X and then uh, the ar- and whatever they called um, the architect in 2 was scrubbed. Yeah, I mean, I don't honestly, like, they do that a lot, but I also don't think that Xenoblade's making a coherent enough statement about Gnosticism for it to matter. Yeah. I would prefer they change it because I think I find it boring otherwise. <laughs> It's one of those things like also if they were changing they the shouldn't content, be afraid to use those names if they wanted to. I mean, to. The, the number of practicing Gnostics is quite small, but like just even going beyond that, it's just a case of like I it, if they were changing the kinds of stories they were allowed to tell, I'd have a lot more to say about it. But I mean, mm-hmm. like a name's a name's a name. I can tell what you're getting at. I don't honestly think you're saying very much interesting about it, but. It's just one of those, eh, what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Like, they could change it, and I wouldn't care. Them not changing it, them changing it doesn't really bother me. Mm-hmm. But uh, before you move on to the, more of the questions, uh, I just want to say how funny it was to to put on the treehouse announcing WayForward's next title, which is... Oh, <laughs> man, people had, like, 24 hours to convince themselves that that was going to be something huge. And it's just like... Well, they did they didn't make it vague as possible, so it's kind of Nintendo's fault. So They made it vague, but at the same time, they also tried to... I saw people that were like, it must be a Metroid game. And then Nintendo immediately tweeted out, we didn't... This is not ours. We did not... This will not be a Nintendo franchise. I would have been happy with Powerful Mail, because like, them doing cute girl games is kind of their warehouse, wheelhouse, so... Yeah, but they don't have any existing relationship to Falcom, and Falcom's not about to let any of their IPs go to anyone with that's not. Bakugan was still a thing, to be honest. I joked about it wasn't for a long time. They could have probably gotten Valus. I would have been fine with it, because... Valus got snatched up by porn devs. Yeah. (laughs) Let's not think about Valus Cross. Um, Yeah, Way Forward decided to just buy it back, because that's awful for Valus to have it. Listen, Talonet Japan probably still exists in some capacity, and it's probably weirdly expensive. Uh, what I was going to say about it, though, was... Uh, like, uh, Wheels, to answer your question, Bakugan was actually gone for a number of years, and then just yeah, recently the last brought game back. I saw was like a Wii game, I think. There's like a Wii and 360 game that's like a weird 
for babies character action game. But the the thing about Bakugan and the reason that it probably got Pride of Place is that Sega's attached to it. Because that's a Sega Toys product. Uh, this game's got to at least be better than that terrible Playmate game I played on the 3DS years ago. Really going, really going wild in those predictions, but yeah. This, this game must be better than the steaming pile of shit. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Absolute garbage. <laughs> but yeah, like I would imagine that it got the, <laughs> the special uh, announcement as like essentially a favor to Sega. <laughs> I'm just... I'm just... Yeah, it, I, I don't think you can make spinning tops fun. No, that's not Bakugan. Bakugan's not the spinning tops. That's uh, uh, what is that's that? Beyblade. Beyblade. Yeah, oh, yeah Beyblade. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one that can. Bakugan, some weird hybrid. Hi- isn't Bakugan like some weird hybrid between that and like dual monsters or something? They're they're marbles. They're marbles with magnets in them. Like you you roll a marble and magnets cause like. Yeah. Uh, they they cause little monsters to pop out by like retracting specific parts of the marble. So mm-hmm. it's like you roll a marble onto a card with magnets in it, and yeah, it's it's like an associated card game. I looked this up once because I had a friend who thought that the name Bakugan was hilarious and kept saying "Baby Got Bakugan," so I had to work out what it actually was so that I could <laughs> yell at. <him. laughs> yeah, but when are Pogs gonna come back? I just think this story of Bakugan is hilarious. Like these kids pick oh, up a game called Bakugan and it ends up being a thing that happened in the past anyway. <laughs> And it's real. <laughs> it's normal. But, yeah. Uh, well, let's invent a game that we that existed, so we just rediscovered it. <laughs> it's fine. That's normal. It almost makes you think someone planted the knowledge in their heads. There's probably like Bakugan was also one of those weird things where like the associated cartoon did way better in Canada of all places so there's like one season that was made specifically for Japan and then Canada commissioned more seasons like three more seasons (laughs) and then eventually some of those seasons got dubbed back into Japanese but not all of them (laughs) but did any of them get dubbed into uh, French (laughs) maybe I don't know that's going deep into the lore. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was one of those things where it's like, eh, Sega's got a hand in this, so that's why they bothered. And there was a, there was a misfire. But yeah. It'll probably be fine. WayForward does a lot of, or at least used to do a lot of... Well, they haven't done a licensed game games. in a while, and they're about due for another one, especially since all the money they got drained after the last couple games. Yeah, I wonder how much Apple paid them for that Shantae. <laughs> uh, Apple sucks. Man, we all from 20 years ago hears you and wonders what dark future awaits. Yeah, true story. <laughs> well, what are your questions? Okay. Uh, I was going to say that my the last thing I wanted to bring up is that the funniest thing WayForward ever made was that... Uh, Wonder Momo reboot. Uh, let's see. Uh, Berserk Alucard asked in the Discord, uh, question for Q&A plus, how much does your backlog influence your gaming? 
Does it influence what games you purchase? Do you keep track of the backlog or collection and how? I've recently put my collection across into an Excel sheet with columns of games, completion, Metacritic rating, how long to beat website time, play time my playtime, my desire to play, my rating out of five, publisher, developer, and a bunch of other columns. That's terrifying. I do not have the discipline for that. Uh, I find I'm very slow at playing games, so I've tried limiting the games I pick up and prioritizing certain games to play before others. Most recently during lockdown, I've made a subset of my unplayed games that I see a lot of people talk about. And I've tried to work through those as a mini bucket list. A few of them seem to be long games that I put off until now. Persona 3, 4, Trails of Cold Steel 1 and 2 are a few of them. I can't tell if it's been a good idea or a bad idea digging into my game collection, cataloging them. Any thoughts? I have a few more or less OCD questions, which I'll put in later. Uh, my response would be that uh, I never want to think of games as something I am obligated to do anything with. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't mean that as like a slam. It's just how I approach them. I don't ever want to feel obligated to my hobby. Yeah. So like, if I see a shiny new, I game, make wheels obligated to my hobby. If I see a shiny I like, new game, I, like how I play Albert's, shiny new game. I like how Albert's cape just stays in the air. It's, it's pretty fun. great. But yeah, like this. This to me is one of those situations where it's like. Yeah, I mean, like, I try... There are games that I go back to because it's like, oh, I should finish that or I do want to play that. But it's always, like, an organic, do I want to play this right now? Because, like, that's also the easiest way for me to make sure that I'll actually enjoy something. It's like, oh, I feel the urge to play this, and it's here, so I'll play it. (laughs) Like, otherwise, I don't want to force myself to play a game. game. (laughs) I don't want games to be my job at least not for not for no pay <laughs> so in conclusion that's why i ended up uh start uh popping grandia 3 in just to see if i could actually finish it this time man the ending of that game is so weird <laughs> i'm curious to actually see it for myself but yeah that that game I, 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 I didn't beat it legitimately because I thought the final boss was a piece of crap. Because <laughs> at some point, no matter how well you're doing the fight, he just goes to super pissy boss mode and there's like almost no way to counter it unless mm. you know exactly what to do and when to do it. Yeah, 3 is generally a bit meaner than 1 and 2. So, so, I, so I just turned the infinite HP switch on so I didn't have to worry about dying. That's understandable. After like at least three attempts. Three is weird because like I'm, I'm playing it again. I'm only a couple hours in and all I can think of while playing it is that it feels like they wanted to go back to the mood of Grandia 1 but they don't actually quite remember why Grandia 1 works and that's why parts of 3 that are very similar to 1 don't work as well. And, and the, the message of the game seems to be always follow the booty call. That's uh, tragically common in RPGs, but yeah. The, the, the weirdest thing about it as I'm playing it is that so the game is focused around like around like Yuki and Alfina and the problem with making them the centerpiece is that they're both non they ni- they're both reactive characters they're both or largely non-reactive really they just things happen to them they aren't instigators of action and their relationship is not charged or interesting enough to carry plot 
But centering the game around them creates a problem where they have to carry that plot. <sighs> Maybe they'll get I, better. But... I, I like how <laughs> dot hack out. Um, is this the to you? No. Because uh, like it wouldn't make sense for you to play that. So I like how they. I like how they acknowledge Tel Concerto though. Yeah, I. Oh, I love Tel Concerto. I no longer have uh, my PS2 versions of that. So. That's mm-hmm. wise. That's why I'm playing the less good one. <laughs> I love everything about Dot Hack except uh, Dot Hack IMOQ except actually playing it. <laughs> why are you playing this? Uh, well, I, I have the PS2 connected, so I just switched to something else. Okay, yeah, so this is all of the things that are currently on the BBS are just gameplay tips, basically. Hmm. Man, this, it's just weird looking. Yeah, t- well, speaking of Tail Control, why have you done, like, that whole universe's, like, HD release collection or something? Tail Concerto and Solita Robo? Yeah. I think that's all that's in that universe, right? Um, there there was one more game, but it's like a web based game, I think. Mm, so that's never coming back. Is what you're saying? Why did you just react that way? We <laughs> this game is ugly. It is an ugly <laughs> game. It was not pretty when it was new. Ugh. It's it's what makes GU so weird because GU is a really good looking PS2 game, and this is not. Oh God! I think the only game that's uglier than this is SpongeBob, uh, the Cat Battle for Gapini Bottom PS2 version. Oh man, that is. I don't know what's wrong with the color palette of that game. But. Everything in it was washed out. Yeah, I don't know why it's so washed out. It's very strange looking. Which is why they prettied it up for the HD release. Yeah, I need to get around that. Unfortunately, they did not prove any of the gameplay aspects because when you die it has to reload the entire world state so loading yeah. takes a while i still i still feel like playing that kind of game so i'm sure i'll play that eventually otherwise it's a decent mario 64-esque game well i do love mario 64 <laughs> that's not even the worst ps2 SpongeBob the only- game though the only real bad aspect about it is they couldn't get the Kurgan to do the Mr. Krabs again. No, no Clancy Brown, Rip. No. Like, I don't think he was in the original. And they he wasn't. They just reused the old voice clips. Oh. Yep. Which, I mean, for the main cast is fine, but for Mr. Krabs, it sounds really unsettling. <laughs> yeah, it's not some fake guy who does, he sort of sounds like Scrooge McDuck, but not really. Yeah, he just, he sounds like a weird imposter. I do think that, uh, I, I will give them, I will cut them some slack on Mermaid Man, though. R.I.P. Ernest Borgnine. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know how you guys feel about the whole backlog thing, but personally, I just, I, I go back to things when I get the urge to play them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what? When I have time, so everything's yeah. currently rechecked. <laughs> yeah, that's also, you know, of course, yeah. the case. But I, I play whatever I feel like playing, unless I'm specifically saying, I want to beat this thing because I want to see the end of the story, or I want to play its sequel or something. Yeah. Like, like, I, see, I the, other thing get, <laughs> the other thing that'll, like, nudge me into playing something is if someone else wants to discuss it and they need someone to play it with. Yeah. I do that a lot. Like, I randomly started Little Town Hero recently. 
totally because of the soundtrack. And Can't believe you're going to finally play it on Xbox One, its native platform. What? <laughs> There's an Xbox One port of Little Town Hero. Is there? Yeah. Well, not, not yet, but soon. Yeah, and like it was announced. Oh, okay. I will have to play it on there then. Like along with the PS4 version. I'm yeah. Just, I'm just playing it on Switch right now. But yeah, I was like, oh, I f- completely forgot that this soundtrack involved Toby Fox. And oh, this battle system looks really weird. It's probably my cup of tea. So, speaking you of, which, play all of when, when, when is Delta Rune episode two coming out? <laughs> I mean, Ever? Delta Rune episode. I would the way I would look at it is that Delta Rune episode one is like the Undertale demo, which came out like four years before Undertale. Mm. So, so, give it another couple years. Three years. Yeah, give it a few more years. Uh, well, it gives me time to play it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I still haven't gotten around to Delta Rune. <laughs> Me neither. Man, I still remember that, like, uh, when Moon Remix RPG Adventure got announced for Switch, there was this, uh... man, this is the exact experience of playing an RPG with someone who has, like, a way higher level character, and it's like, why am I even here? Uh, yeah, I hate that. <laughs> don't worry, he'll be he'll disappear from the story at the end of this dungeon. Okay. Um but yeah, uh, are all the dungeons like this? This is really yes. stupid. Ugh. There are other there are other field types, but yeah, they're all going to look kind of like this. You know what? Peace, peace out, <laughs> peace out, game. Gate out. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, not but, gate out. Like game out. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I, I like a lot of dot hack IMOQ, but they are not. Good games. Uh, Let's go watch Dot Hack Sign again. Dot Hack Sign. You can watch Dot Hack Sign. You can. Uh, Are you using a boot disk to play these elves or what? Yes. Uh, it's well, no disk whatsoever. Actually, free McBoot. Yeah. I was uh, playing Grandia Three via PCSX, but don't worry, I ripped but- that game myself. So, wait, that's a card, isn't it? It's like a special memory card. No. Hmm. It might have been at one point. No, it might have been. I have hacked my PS2. It, mm. it runs off one of the memory cards or something. I don't remember. Mm. Ah, Lancer. Oh, Breath of Fire. And then all the games are on the hard drive somewhere. Correct. It has to be the actual PS2 hard drive also. So what do you connect the hard drive to um, some USB port? Uh, The way I do it is through Ethernet. Mm -hmm. It's a little slow, but it's simpler. Anything that'll stream data. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, I have a slim PS2. I can do this. Uh, They have a similar thing like that that you can using like an external USB drive. Mm. Remember working designs? No. Well. (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, I don't think any of us uh, works under the assumption that we're obligated to our backlogs, but we might ask Gaijin next week when he's back. Uh, Let's see. Anything else here? Okay. 
Okay, that one's no, so let's double check the comment section. <coughs> Wheels is now playing Grow Lancer 2. Which ones of those did we get? 2, 3, and like 5? <laughs> two, two, I think we got 2, 3, 4, and 5. But like, oh, we got 4? Huh. I so we got Grow Lancer 1 and collection and then we got Prolancer Generations of War. Yeah. And then I think we got a PSP release. Yeah, Grow Lancer 4. Which was yeah, I think we got the PSP version of Grow Lancer 4 or something. Yeah. Yeah. And that was released as Way Wayfarer of Time. And it had a truly ridiculous title when it was re-released on PSP in Japan as Grolancer 4. Atlas was like, we're not investing in the localization as much as the other titles because it's the end of the PSP's life, so fuck it. Yeah, I'm kind of shocked that came out. Like, by so, point, so only Pessy's voice acting. <laughs> like, I'm looking at this Japanese title and just gawking at the fact that they called it Grolancer 4 Over-Reloaded. Oh, God. Yeah, I think that means the only Grow Lancer we never got was one. So they did they did, uh, Strange Journey dirty like that too. I, I just think it was a weird policy of theirs. Oh, is that the 3DS version that didn't get a dub? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense because I remember there being basically just, no dialogue. At least it wasn't a partial language dub like they did for um, for Grow Lancer because they like, didn't have any voice acting in it unless it was a cutscene. Didn't even realize there was a Grow Lancer 6. What the heck? And Grow Lancer, yeah, Grow Lancer 6. So, I guess we're missing 1 and 6, the bookends. 6 also on the PSP? No, but with a PS2 only. Also, there's a part of my brain that, like, constantly conflates Grow Lancer and Longresser. Uh, speaking of which, is a good port. I mean, it kind of looks like a mobile game, but considering the company that made it... less bad than the last one that we got. Let's not talk about that <laughs> it's, one. It's better than the 3DS one. It's better than the mobile one. <laughs> it's probably better than Warsong. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is better than Warsong, because <laughs> my problem with Warsong is that it throws you into the first battle without any explanation to what to do, and it doesn't make it clear what you're actually supposed to do. And a lot of the game's based on luck. Oh, lovely. <laughs> okay, we'll hit this last question from Kroll. I'm pretty sure uh, the goal of the first level is the same, to get the prince out of there. Mm-hmm. And you have to put him on a specific tile to do that. But in the original, you have no idea where this tile is. They pointed it out to you in the remake. <laughs> uh, this last question from Kroll in the comment section. Has an ending ever completely uh, soured your experience of a game? Or has one ever changed your opinion for the better? Uh, Mass this? Effect 3 oh. is the free space. Uh, 
let's see. Uh, Star Ocean 3, even though I never actually got That's not really the fun. ending, but yeah, okay. the twist yeah. sours it. Uh, I know that for a lot of people, that's Persona 3. I kind of soured on the game long before that managed to happen, but yeah. No, yeah, for me, it was the ending. Yeah, I know the ending. Like, re- like for me, it was like the ending made me realize how much of the latter half of the game I didn't actually like very much. <laughs> it, it, uh, yeah, that, that ending still annoys me. <laughs> I'm going to get to bed. Okay. All right. Hey, Eric. See you later. You still maybe do a I... podcast? Maybe plug that before you leave. Oh, yeah. Six, episode 600 today. Oh, my gosh. And I need yeah, to get I... alcohol. What kind of wine should I buy? <laughs> I'm ready and willing to say that I hope we never reach that number. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's 11 years for me and 12 years for the overall podcast. Wow. So yeah, that's uh, that exists, and also you still have a Patreon, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, so, and sending me as a little dollar, and that link is in my uh, Twitter profile, which is at EricRPG. Yeah, just want to make sure that uh, you get at least a bit of uh, mild free advertising. <laughs> but uh, see you guys later. Maybe next week I'll talk about my experience with the Origami King. Yeah, I'm hearing good things from people uh, who, you know, played it pre-release. So. Yeah, I think it'll be a fine game as long as you don't pine for the series to be exclusively an RPG. That uh, seems yeah. to be the general consensus. Uh, I loved Sticker Star, so I think this game will be for me. I didn't like it because I thought that the writing was bland. Gonna say the the I feel like that exactly reflects uh, the longest review of it that I've read, which was Chris Kohler's on Kotaku, which was uh, very much like as long as you're willing to accept this is no longer like that kind of RPG, it's excellent at what it's doing. <laughs> but adieu, bye. Adieu. Since Gaijin is no longer here, I guess it is my job to also stump for Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, available on Amazon. Uh, author should be listed as Michael Yarimizu. Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. So, maybe give that a look. Uh, Wheels is still not finished, but I don't blame him. He's got a lot on his plate. I finished episode one. Yeah. So, you know. A lot on your plate, though, so, again. Uh, meanwhile, I don't have anything to plug. Uh, maybe one day I'll make a Patreon or something. But I don't I don't have one yet, so... Uh, and I don't think Wheels has anything to plug, either. No, I did have more on the endings that ruined a game for me, though, I think. Oh, do tell. Uh, I, actually, I had something, and now I'm trying to remember what the hell it was. Uh, Bigger than Breadbox, PS2, Super Nintendo. I don't know, I lost. Maybe I was just thinking more about Persona 3, because that ending really did. Really did. Take the wind out of your sails? Yeah, because I spent a lot of time beating that final boss looking for some sort of resolution and. It, it it honestly felt kind of like a cop out. Like we don't really know how to end this, so we're gonna we're gonna kill your main character, and that'll that'll give you feelings. Like it 
the game is setting up the idea of death from the beginning, but at the same time, it doesn't lay any groundwork for it. Yeah. And, like, it just kind of goes from the start where it's like, I choose this fate of my own free will, and then, like, the game over message that's about how, like, death is inevitable. But then it doesn't really connect between the two extremes. It just yeah. sort of does it. <laughs> that sort of major thing should be an overt message or a theme and not anything subtle at all. And I it's clear like that they intended it as a theme, but again, it doesn't, again, it doesn't actually. It just gestures at it. It doesn't yeah. examine the concept of like dying. It just kills you. Yeah. Like there's, like the the answer epilogue super sucks, but it is like I at least appreciate that it's trying to deal with the consequences of death, which is not something that the main game ever bothers with, and it doesn't really. There's no strong rumination about the idea of like what your character's life meant in particular. So it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's saying anything about death. It just ends in death. And I think that's the actual problem with Persona 3's ending. Yeah. Because there is like I feel like there's because people expect happy endings, there's this tendency to uh defend like an ending that is sad as like inherently meaningful but like just be just like a happy ending can be hollow a sad ending can be super hollow yeah <laughs> and that's kind of the pro problem <laughs> that uh like to even like i'm just going to start going down like examinations of death and how it affects the story uh to pull out the ultimate cliche Aerith's death in ff7 is built around the fact that it is meaningless but that is the theme. Like, the concept of Aerith's death is built around the idea of this didn't have to happen, and it and death mu death does not inherently serve a purpose. It is not inherently an ennobling concept. Mm -hmm. Which is them contrasting consciously with prior games where death was death of a character always meant that they had done something in truly spectacular and noble. Yeah. But, you know, in FF7, Aerith dies, and, like, she's doing something important when she dies, but dying had nothing to do with what with that being important, and killing her was something that did not serve a purpose, mm. except that, you know, you understand that death is not inherently noble. That sort of thing. Persona 3 doesn't even reach that level when it's ruminating on death. No, I, I, have, I have a good thing to compare it to, even. So, mm -hmm. there is a author that has had a lot of... I think it's a guy... A lot of their books turned into movies. Nicholas Sparks. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Familiar? Yes. So, Romance novel author. Yes. I have been, f unfortunately, forced to watch a number of movies based on his books. And they all, for the most part, have, like, really cruel endings where it's like, oh, this character dies. And it's just like, this is it, it's not for any sort of purpose other than to have It's just a, pulling the emotional lever. Right. Right, and that that's the sort of feeling I felt at the end of Persona 3, was just like, uh, this... Okay, then. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Because I think, I think the worst the worst one was where, oh, you know, these... It was The rest of the movie was actually pretty interesting because it involved the love interest was this plastic surgeon doctor who 
um, like convinced, helped convince somebody to get like some plastic surgery or something, and then they mm-hmm. they ended up dying during surgery. And it's he's trying to like reconcile with like and try try and find some sort of re- resolution to something horrible mm-hmm. like that and like reconcile with the family and stuff like that and it was like oh this is pretty interesting and then and he dies in a mudslide in mexico at the end but why i, I don't know <laughs> it's just like why what was the point of this uh i'm just uh, one of the things that uh i remember uh I, I think one of my favorite lines that describes this concept actually was uh on an episode of the show community where uh like you might uh, did you ever watch community some of it so there's an episode in the third season uh where like they're doing a, a birthday for one of the characters and his favorite movie is uh is pulp fiction so they're trying to do that but he has decided that he wants to be ridiculous and do an homage to the movie uh, My Dinner with Andre. And one of the other people are not clued in on this, and one of them goes off on this truly, like, unhinged, uh, like, description of, like, childhood trauma. And at the, uh, at the end, when he finds out that this entire thing was a bit, he's, like, really upset. And, like, after he... Uh, after all said and done, like the uh, the character who started this whole thing explains why he was doing the my dinner with Andre bit uh, about how he was worried that his essentially his human emotional range was limited and that sort of thing. Uh, the one who had the emotional breakthrough is like, take it from someone who just had uh, a meaningless one. It is not inher- essentially. It is not inherently useful to have an emotional breakthrough. <laughs> like to to have to incite emotions is not a difficult task. It's you need to have a purpose. Mm. Otherwise, you just made someone sad for no reason. <laughs> yes. Like I'm, I've been ruminating on this concept a lot because of the whole. Last of Us 2 dust up mm-hmm. and whether that game is actually saying anything of substance and it's just one of those things it's like it doesn't take a lot to make people empathetic and it doesn't take a lot to make them sad <laughs> like you like when you're playing with that you better have an you better have an idea of what you're doing and it better be better than oh man what if violence breeds violence yeah, uh, I actually listened to a lot of spoilers about that, and it kind of made that game sound more interesting. I read a lot of spoilers about it, too, and the more I read of it, the more it was just like, why, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still have no interest in playing it. Right is, around, I got, it, it doesn't help that everything I've heard says that it's nearly 30 hours long. Yeah, no, thank you. No, no game in that genre should be yeah. <laughs> has has enough game loop to m- make thirty hours of content work. But it's just uh, I don't know. Like I don't. It doesn't seem. It, it builds itself as a game about revenge and cycles of violence, and it doesn't seem like it has anything interesting to say about either. <laughs> so, Meh. what you gonna do? 
That's not an RPG, so you're spared my much more nuclear takes from right when it first came out. <laughs> I'm sure one day I'll play it just to like see whether I was justified or not. But yeah, I didn't I think mean, Last of Us One was particularly good either. <laughs> how dare you? Well, that's, that's did you like that? Last of Us One. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I liked the story. I liked the way that it ended. I think that. That I know the ending is the ending is more interesting than what two's ending is. I'll yeah. give it that. But I feel like my issue with one was just that, like, I don't have dad feelings. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't have them, and so that does limit my capacity to understand what it's going for. But at the same time, like. There's also just, like, it's just so miserable, and the gameplay is only kind of eh. <laughs> yeah, that's why I just have no interest in playing, too. It's like, I I don't... I don't want... I want to play happy games. But not even necessarily happy games. Just something less bleak, for God's sake. Games sakes. with emotional range. Yeah. Like, you can... Like, you can sell me much more on bleak when you have plenty of, like things that leave in it, because then the bleak doesn't just turn into this muted morass. Uh, give me more The Outer Worlds, which is actually... Bleak as hell. <laughs> yes, it's bleak as fuck. But it's also hilarious. <laughs> I get, it understands that it needs to cut that with something, or you're just gonna get dead to it. Well, I just It feels more like, oh, this actually captures the range of human experience. <laughs> Yeah, like, because again, if you were just exposed to one emotion constantly, you'd get dead to it. Yeah, rather than just, oh, let's let's explore all the the mur- murderous emotions of the human experience. <laughs> this broad rainbow of murderous emotions yes. that humanity can experience. But yeah, I've I read like a fairly interesting uh, critique of part two from Waypoint that was basically talking about how they considered the narrative to fail because it was built on what they considered a false premise because the premise seemed to be that murderous hatred was a universal emotion that people experience when they see certain things. Yeah. And it's just like, that's that's not how people operate. No. <laughs> you're, you're assuming a universality that isn't, that doesn't exist. And it says a lot about you, actually. <laughs> but, Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll discuss that one day on something that doesn't involve RPGs. Yeah. Uh, hey, I don't even know if I care for Naughty Dog to make platformers anymore. But could you just make something that's bright once? Can Can you make? <laughs> don't make more Uncharted. But could you make something that's ha- happy like Uncharted, please? They even made Uncharted sadder. Uh, yeah, well, you talking about more four? You talking about four or? I was talking about four, not Lost yeah. Legacy. Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, I guess four is a little bit sadder, but it also has more of a range for sure. Four, but still about being a dad. No, I really love four though. <laughs> Got those dad feels. Sure and yes, it. And it <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not just yeah. dogging on. I know. Yeah. But I <laughs> it's just think... easy to. It's just easy to notice the amount of video games that are about being a bad dad from people who don't get to spend time with their children and thus end up feeling like bad dads. Sure. 
I'm also thinking about God of War right now. I should probably finish that game at some point. I don't feel any obligation to. I got about 10 hours in and felt like, yeah, that's about enough of that. <laughs> yeah. You're still kind of a garbage man, right <laughs> out. Uh, you're raising your child to be an emotionally dead garbage man uh, who also doesn't like you. Can we just get like a new character that fights gods? I really think that's a lot of the game's problem. It's just that Kratos is fundamentally irredeemable. Yeah. But every God of War game is about trying to redeem him and failing miserably. (laughs) That's, again, not an RPG. I don't know. I've just... I've noticed a certain, like, homogeneity of Sony's output recently. Like, like, there's a lot of those. Like, I I can't even get interested in Ghost of... Tsushima? Ghost of Tsushima, and that's... will probably be the best of the bunch, but it's just, like... It's... I I don't know. Like, it's it's my overriding love of samurai media that's getting me into Ghost of Tsushima... Yeah, I'll probably that that's the the one I will probably play the most, but it's just like it's, can you you, you need a broader you need a broader slate cuz like this range of just misery is uh, Yeah. I mean Ghost of Tsushima is at least probably going to end a little more triumphantly cuz Tsushima Ghost of Tsushima is based on like a semi-historical event, like a heavily romanticized historical event, but still of uh, the curbing of an invasion, so I mean mm-hmm. I've mostly kept dark on it. It's kind of neat to see that they that the film grain filter that they put on is kind of an impressive technical achievement. Nice. It actually looks like actual old damaged film instead of like bad digitally edited to look damaged film. But yeah. At this point, Sony, just just give me Miles Morales, please, and then I'm good. Yeah. And please stop having very confused messaging around Miles Morales. Tell me what the fuck it is. They've doubled back like three times on what it is. You have my money. Just tell me what the fuck it is. Uh, I'll get it whenever I pick up a PS5. I don't I don't know if I trust... Uh, let, let me re reel that sentence back in. I don't know if I agree with their assumption that they need to, like, really speed up PS5 production because, like, it's going to be a crazy holiday season for it given the uh, financial peril that much of North America is in right now. Yeah. Like, but that seems weirdly optimistic to be like, we need to have 10 million units in consumer hands by the end of 2020. So, I guess we'll see. That's going to be an expensive box, too. That's going to be an at least $500 box. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I also still have to find out if I can sell my PS4 when I buy it. Is that's... That would help things a lot, but it would be nice to know what their full backwards compatibility plan is. Yeah, it's probably going to be the make or break. Oh, did you hear Microsoft just killed the Xbox One X? They did? Yeah, discontinued. Huh. 
Okay. The series, I guess the thought process is the Series X replaces it as the high end Xbox. And the One S, like, stays around as this is the cheapest, like, entry point you have. Because they're trying to keep cross gen stuff going on. I mean, I guess that makes sense. I, uh, but I'm curious if the One S ends up getting replaced at some point by the, uh, as yet not officially announced but known to exist second cheaper chipset that people have found patents for. I guess so. I I just would have I I would have discontinued the S and kept the X around and made it cheaper. I think they want an a an absolute bottom of the barrel entry option. I guess that makes sense. They probably sell more of that one anyway. Yeah. I mean it it the problem is that of course it puts discontinuing the uh S and trying to put the X in that puts it in like a weird value proposition territory where like yeah. they can't manufacture that cheaply enough to really like make it as cheap a barrier to entry as the S and it's not good enough to like be a replacement for a series X anyway. So, but yeah, I'm sure we'll find out about an, a suppose a, a possible Xbox series S at some stage. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, anyway, I think that's about all we have. Yeah. Oh, I've played a bit of Story of Seasons that came out this week. It's uh, which one's that? Friends of Mineral Town remake? Yeah, it's very relaxing. That tends to be the way of those. Yeah. I wonder if that one still has the ability to poison the entire town. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> What's that, Mineral Town? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, but it was interesting to see some of the people that worked on the localization from it. Uh, one of them and the guys I follow on Twitter that used to write for RPG Fan are quote unquote, but not really rival site. Bitter rival. <laughs> Bitter rivals. And one of the people that uh, primarily worked on lots of uh, Trails games. So, whose name it? Jessica Chavez, I believe it was. Hmm. Uh, so, I mean, so far, seems to be very well translated, or not translated, localized. Nice. So. Okay, I looked it up. It was Harvest Moon DS where you could cause like uh, the entire town to die. That's horrifying. Yeah, if you raised a poisonous mushroom to level 100 and then put it in like this town potluck, you would just get an ending where you basically killed everyone. <laughs> it was definitely not something you were going to do by accident. Yeah. I don't know why it exists. It's weird. But yeah, it's good. It's good. Good game. I'll probably get distracted from that with obviously tomorrow with Paper Mario. You kill everyone and the game goes black and the credits roll. Oh my god. But yeah, you would have to dedicate yourself to that in like a truly disgusting fashion. In any case. Uh, questions go in the question zone sometimes known as the podcast section of the discord or the comment section of this very episode oh and also that Assassin's Creed 4 collection is on sale half off in the eShop oh that's a good one Yeah. 
Those are those are the good those are the good Assassin's Creed. Yes, so is the three one. Don't buy that one. I've heard that that one got patched to eventually be decent. Oh no, I just mean because three is garbage. Wow, there's so much potential in three squandered. It's. It, I agree because it's an interesting setting and it just it's really boring. If you've never looked up. It, there's so much that makes it seem like they were terrified of, like, offending the audience or something. If you've never looked up some of, like, the cut monologues that Connor had that, like, fleshed out his character a lot more. Yeah. Like, those are those are worth listening to. Uh, that's a shame, and I just feel like the setting just doesn't work for the old-style Assassin's Creed game. You could make it work in an... Odyssey or Origins-style Assassin's Creed a lot better. Yeah, maybe they'll go back to it, but honestly, at this point... I don't think they will. I think they would rather forget that it happened. I, I and Personally, after playing Origins, I want more like non-Western settings. Yeah, we've got, we've got Valhalla, which isn't a super common setting, so that's something, but... Like, there's a big old set. There's like multiple entire continents you guys have not touched. Yeah, how about India? China? India. Other like, parts of Africa? Other parts of Africa? Hell, South America? Like... They kind of touched... Hmm? You can do it in like an Incan or Aztec. Yeah, I think like... Yeah. All those could be really interesting. Yeah, the the possibilities Good. are endless, and they just seem to usually go for the low hanging fruit. <laughs> they seem convinced that the audience won't follow them anywhere, and it's like you don't make any of the like major games anything but the most stock settings. Yeah, they've made like there's like in four you can find references to the idea of like. Uh, a ninja one and them like for some reason poo-pooing that idea is not feasible <sighs> or uh there's also like there's a joke about a cowboy one it's like at least it'd be something <laughs> yeah do something man i could just faux medieval just gets tiring <laughs> not even medieval but like you know that kind of that level of tech, that same, like, here's some more Europe. Have you heard of a Europe? There's a lot of it. Yeah, when they announced Odyssey, I know, I, I know Odyssey is probably really, really good, but when they announced that after Egypt, I just, like... Let's go scuttling it. right back to, you know, that whole Hellenic shit. Yeah. Back, baby. Are you Whatever. Sick, are you sick of Greece yet? Because here's some more Greece. Uh, we did Rome, but it was 1500s Rome, so let's do Greece. Whatever. Uh, questions go in the Discord and the podcast section, or they go in the comment section. Yes. Oh, I just or got, they go shouted at wheels on the street. But got the most terrible, really you should, terrible yeah. idea ever. What? Assassin's Creed Greece. As in Grease the Musical. At least it would be different. <laughs> I'll never get over like the 
video I saw of like Nolan North talking about how much they had like one eighty the entire storyline at some point. Yeah. Listeners, if you have any interest in Assassin's Creed and haven't heard that, it's pretty interesting. It's just him like at a con talking about how he Yeah, originally the idea was supposed to be that like they would actually resolve the entire Templar storyline in the future and then they got super cold feet about that and decided to just make the past the entire storyline. And that's why Assassin's Creed three does its best to like sweep the Desmond storyline under the rug and they don't seem to have any ideas what to do with the future plotline anymore. Yeah, there's been lots of hints that I've obviously missed while playing some of these games, but they don't really do anything with it. <laughs> they started another like protagonist story, present protagonist storyline with Origins, but it doesn't seem like they're willing to commit too much to that either. Yeah. Well, there's that. And and I... There's also apparently I there's like some character that gets reincarnated a bunch of times or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he's in four. Something like that. Yeah. Like the entire. It yeah, just doesn't really. Yeah. Was Blackbeard it may, may involve Blackbeard? I don't know. It did involve Blackbeard in some fashion. I need to play four. No, but it wasn't Blackbeard. It was a different pirate, but it was okay. like a pirate. Blackbeard is part of Assassin's Creed 4, but he's just a dude. But, yeah, like, I feel like they they bet on a plotline that kind of doesn't have any capacity to move forward. Like, as long as you're preoccupied with the past, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Like, they, the world is built around this idea of, like, the Templar conflict. The Templar assassin conflict is age old and essentially intractable. It just cycles over and over, so it doesn't really matter what. Mo- like it can only work as a plot if the past figure is interesting. So, like Origins works because Bayek is interesting, but the Templar assassin dynamic is not what works. And, like, I think they would have been much better off, like, resolving that plot and putting in some other insane ancient aliens conspiracy or some shit, whatever. (laughs) I'm just ranting at this point. We need to end the podcast properly. Yeah, okay. Uh, If you would like to hear us rant more about Assassin's Creed, (laughs) send your requests on Discord. Yep. We'll, uh, I don't know, probably just complain about how uh, the entire thing just sort of that even though Assassin's Creed Brotherhood is a good game that's where the series breaks uh, yes and I would be happy to go off at length about how empty Assassin's Creed 3 left me by, by its <laughs> by its uh, boring conclusion so much potential squandered yes. and then 4 has the gall to imply that uh the poor reception is because the audience lacks the emotional range for it. Oh, for fuck's sake. It's uh, like, it's, it's in a blink and you'll miss it thing, but it's like in the background, it's like, oh, maybe don't, don't try to sell this one because the audience won't really get it. It's just like, guys, you fumbled the writing. It's not my fault. They, yeah, and they didn't, you didn't just fumble the writing. 
the game is not that good. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's really it. There's a lot of interesting things you could have done with that setting, and it's a bunch of boring, boring colonial cities to, to climb around. Um, not great sailing that you. Yes, you they fixed that. In the you fixed that. And yeah, that's about it. Sorry, Assassin creating uh, native New England in, New Englander here, uh, wandering around boring forests as an assassin is not interesting, and I had hoped it would be, but you ruined it. Sorry. It's fine. Ah, that game makes me so angry. Yeah, yeah. And I tried to play it again on the Switch. Why did I do that? And there's, like, Assassin's Creed is one of those... We're going to stop once I finish the sentence. Okay. Assassin's Creed is one of those franchises that it's really easy to get angry at when it fails because it comes... Because it's always failing an interesting concept. Yes. Yes. And, like, some of the most successful ones are some of the most boring concepts. Like, I know a bunch of people that really like Assassin's Creed Syndicate. And it's like, it's so boring. I, I hate these... <laughs> This is the most boring choice you could have made. It's like, oh, Victorian London. Yes, yes, please, please. And really, I know they screwed it up, but please, try again with, like, a Native American main character. Please, we need, we desperately need more of that. Please. You have so many options. Oh, you know what's a good one that's included in the Rebel Collection? Freedom's Cry. Is that good? Yeah, it's like a neat, like you're playing as Arwale, who was like your second in command, who eventually gets sick of your shit in four. Oh, I could play that. And he ends up like uh, taking his own pirate ship and just destroying like slave trader ships. Oh, that sounds freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, no. All right, and we'll definitely play that. Yeah, that's that's why the Rebel Collection is actually like, oh, these are the. These are some of the cool ones. It's got yeah. the pirate one and the, like, <laughs> destroy some slave trade one. And I've heard Assassin's Creed Rogue is really good. Yeah, people really seem to like that one. I haven't gotten around to it yet. Which is, which is funny, because it was that weird, oh, this is this is the game for last generation systems. Yeah. They had uh, similar issues with the French Revolution. But, yeah, the, the other thing about... Uh, I always feel bad for Unity because Unity's setting is super stock and boring, but at the same time, it was also like there were interesting changes made to the gameplay that they never followed up on because Unity was so unpopular. Yeah. But yeah, so there's uh, there's your way too long Assassin's Creed talk. We will see you next week. Yes, I'm so sorry. We love. I think we love this franchise, but it drives us crazy. <laughs> we feel that there's a lot more potential for the franchise than it's ever actually gotten yeah right. yeah, yeah I'm, gonna, I'm going to force myself to stop talking about it now <laughs> see you next week see you space cowboys